0: hey matt hey brendo what's going on i just got some cool comics get the fuck out of here you're reading them right now while you're talking to me oh yeah i love reading comics. you're a multitasker that's what i do what comics did you get dude i got the scott pilgrim box set no way you love scott pilgrim i do ugh you always talk about that scott pilgrim man he's my boy you you and scott pilgrim are homies right yeah you're down for the pound man yeah you and scott you go way back yeah, we're fighting those people. You're fighting his evil exes with him. Yes. You're like, you need some help fighting your evil exes. I'm down, man. I'm a fucking team player. Use me as a shield.
1: That's what he does. That's our tactic. He just
0: grabs you by the fucking back flaps and he's like, no one can get through me. I got our Brendo shield. So that's how <laughs> you fucking, that's how you do your research, man. You read some Scott Pilgrim comics.
1: Yes. What else, what other comics you got? Um, well, I, I've been reading, um, the new Spike comic from Brian Lynch. Spike, man, like the fucking Snoopy's hippie cousin? No, well, that'd be cool. Oh, he should have his own comic book. Work on it, man. That'd be cool. But no, call Spike, Charles Schultz. Spike the vampire. Call Charles M. Schultz. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll call him up. He's, he's in heaven. Wait, what? Charles Schultz. What are you talking about? He's dead. When did this happen? Several years ago. Are you being serious? Ten years ago.
0: Oh, commercial over. I got to... What? This really happened? He died a long time ago. Um, Golden Apple Comics is a good comic book store. Um, they have comics. I'm sorry. I'm kind of... My world is shook. No, I'm just kidding. Ooh, I got you, <laughs> folks. You were scared for a second. Where did you get these fine comics, Brando? At Golden Spike. Apple Comics. At Golden Apple Comics. Yes, folks. Golden Apple Comics serving Hollywood and the... Surrounding areas for over 35 years and now serving you on the internet. Check out goldenapplecomics.com for all your comic book needs and statues and statues. They've got Japanese shirts. They've got Japanese. Do they really? Can we? I don't know if we should claim that. They they had like Japanese Japanese green
1: lantern shirts.
0: All right. They've got a Japanese green lantern shirt. They've got trade paperbacks. They've got, uh, action figures. They have got minibus. They've got everything you need at a price ready to move. Ladies and gentlemen, so head on over to goldenapplecomics.com. Give me your hard-earned ducats or your ill-got gains. You know what I mean? I got lots of those
1: ill-got gains. Oh, Brendo,
0: all his gains are ill-gotten, Brendo. he just be robbing people and shit. He's like, give me your money. I need to buy some stuff at Golden Apple Comics. Yes. We don't condone that, but we do condone Golden Apple Comics. Check them out. What I'm all about, more green That's
2: one thing I'm gonna play and geek out I
0: love
3: bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork My color book collection gives me an erection What?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Cohen and Brendan Creasy, Bagged and Boarded.
0: Hi, oh look at that, lovely applause all right Brando, did you touch these people i totally totally like not just their souls i mean did you give them a little fucking as they came in hey man if you applaud for us I'll give them a quick ball grab or whatever yeah just We're a boob grab there are tons of ladies in the audience like yes you thought the, you thought sex remember that sex in city 2 premiere where, where everyone was trying to get in and they had to turn away like thousands of people or whatever yeah that famous sex in the city 2 premiere that That's everyone famous. knows it about it's like this tonight it's just girls as far as the eye can see i can smell the estrogen
1: uh yeah. It smells like honey and, and uh and oddly smells like pot.
0: That's what a gay guy uh smells estrogen like. To you it smells like pot. It smells like honey to me, Brendo. Uh-huh. Honey and a little bit of baking soda. Yep. You know what I mean? Um what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Bagged and Boarded Folks. Uh we are live at the Smod Castle in beautiful Hollywood, California, where the roads are made of gold and uh Demi Moore works at Jack in the Box. You know what I mean? Totally. Just stars as far as the eye can see. Yes. That's all you got from me on that.
1: I, I, you know, I just I ran into Demi. I was ordering my. You, were, regular, you just went into your mind. You were well, like, I was, oh. I was ordering my regular two tacos, and a jumbo jack. And what? What'd she say?
0: <laughs> You're like, you were great in strip Can I have barbecue sauce? Yeah. She was like, okay, only because you complimented strip now you Demi's know, cool. Not nah, you extra. Hollywood it's fucking glamorous. We're here at the Smod Castle, the home. Of podcasting, the home of Brendan Creasy Because you do live here, under this desk Right there, that's my bed I see your pillow, man Yeah, You've got fucking, you've got a little, your security blanket What else you got down there?
1: What? I got my alarm clock You got some Lunchables? Yeah Some of them are half-eaten Some of them are pizza Some of them are pizza Lunchables Pizza Lunchables kind of changed my life And you're
0: like, I don't need a microwave No You really, in real life, you eat pizza Lunchables? I did when I was a kid Without the microwave? That was always. I was with Lunchables until they started putting out shit that like had to be fucking eaten hot, like That's chicken why nuggets it was and pizza.
1: Revolutionary. You didn't have to.
0: I mean, you didn't have to before. It was just a company being like, "You can be a lazy kid." I don't know, yes. Brando. It's a controversial subject, man. See how quiet the crowd got? It's because everyone knows the whole lunchable They're scowling at us. The They're like, what do you mean? You
1: didn't cook your pizza, you
0: freak? See what I mean, dude? They're judging you Silent, like You just brought things to a halt because yeah. you were like, I eat cold pizza lovingly and proudly. Oh, come on, man. It's good. You did a lot of shit when you were a kid.
1: You, did you tell me you took karate at one point? I totally took karate, and it, I failed miserably. I took karate. I took karate as well. Um, I could not pass the white belt kata. What was it? It was something where I had to like... Move your body? <laughs> yeah. It was like it was called Hyun Shodan. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did you have nightmares for years after? Because the, the sensei made me stay after. Was that like
0: your waterloo, your Hyang Shogun or <laughs> yeah. whatever? Yeah.
1: The sensei made me stay after and like practice over and over and over again until I started crying and, and I'm like, I want to go Maybe home. Maybe you stay white belt. That's and I, I, stay. I was an eternal white belt. How long did you take it for? I have no idea. I think it was like maybe a month or two until well, I just could not do it anymore, and I just like. I, do you remember?
0: I, do you remember the impetus for starting the classes?
1: Well, it was a combination of Karate Kid, Teenager Ninja Turtles, all the Karate Ninja Fate craze of the late '80s, American Ninja Chuck Norris, all that so stuff. It was all based on shit on TV. I took it because I wanted to know how to kill a motherfucker.
0: I wanted snap it to a be in the neck at five years old. I never got past the white belt either because I only took two
1: classes. I wasn't very good at discipline.
0: But <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but I'm an amazing high kicker.
1: Yeah, I you, know. You've seen it. There's photographic evidence. If only I was I was that
0: good at high kicker back then, they would have bumped me like ten belts or whatever. You know when like they put Doogie Hauser in college at like ten years old? Like I would have been like fucking uh Joe Piscopo or whatever at like yeah. eight. And I would have been funny too I There was a kid in our class A stand up was... karate guy man Like Joe Piscopo <laughs> That's what he was Remember when he was the bad guy In Sidekicks That's what, that's what my frame of reference oh, For what? Joe Piscopo is I don't think he did karate like I thought, he, other, did karate. I thought other that. That he did karate You talking about something else But he
1: did karate
0: in Do you remember the end of Sidekick The kid on the wheelchair rolls up And like <laughs> Chuck Norris Like fucking He finds the flyer for Chuck Norris And like fucking lightning surges through him And you're like Chuck Norris can make motherfuckers walk And that's why they called it Walker Texas Ranger Yes, because he had the ability to uh I just
1: remember Winnie Cooper was in that movie, who was Winnie Cooper Donica Mckellar were you excited about that? yes, and Jonathan Brandis and his character had asthma, and I was like I could do that I relate to this movie, yeah did you that do you like are you a big film fan of that film i when I was a
0: kid, I loved it. So that was another part, dude. See, I didn't really want to do karate as much. I wanted to be a fucking ninja, like in the truest sense, like all black, like fucking hiding on the ceiling and shit, yeah. like smoke bomb. What? Where'd I go? I'm behind you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I tap him on the shoulder and I do that thing. When I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Yeah. You give him one of those, like who fucking tap me? And then it was me. I'm a ninja and I got a sword to your throat. That was the motivation in high school, and it never worked
1: out, man. That's unfortunate for all of us.
0: I mean, I've been working on it. Like sometimes when I'm really, really high, like when I went to the Fish Festival, I had a cape on for (laughs) for reasons unknown to this point. It just it felt like I needed a cape. You know what I mean? It was a capy kind of day, and I I was like, if I was go, I went into ninja mode, man, because there were like eighty thousand fucking kids on acid, and I was trying to get back to my tent, and it was like a pool of fucking drugged out trustafarians. (laughs) So So I like, like.
1: Threw my fucking cape out, out and I was
0: like ninja and just fucking like parkour through the crowd and shit, man. And I was like fucking lightning but silent. Yeah. Silent lightning. I think lightning might be silent. It's thunder that makes a noise. That is. So I was yeah. like silent thunder but as hot as lightning, Brenda. Wow. If you follow the analogy. I was like so much weather pattern shit going on. It was ridiculous. And I was really, really excited about that. And I have a samurai sword at my house. You do? I do have a samurai sword. You've seen it. Yes. I didn't buy it. Someone gifted it to me. Really? Yeah, it was a, it's a whole long story. Some, some chick I broke story. up with her Anzo. some chick broke with her with her boyfriend, this chick I'm friends with. Yeah. She was like, I fucking hate him and I bought him all this shit. Take it. And I was like, if you insist, samurai fucking sword <laughs> I took like eighty photos of myself posing with this fucking sword and shit. And was like, Look, honestly, I would jerk off to this picture of myself. I look I'm holding a fucking sword, Brendo. I'm like small Jewish guy with a fucking sword. That the it's a movie waiting
1: to happen. When does it become though, like, you know, one sword is cool, like you with a samurai sword before you become sword guy? Um, more than one sword, maybe? I guess because sword guy reading sword magazines, which they have. Yeah. They also have alpaca monthly. And then before you know it, for you're alpaca enthusiast. You're that weird dude that's like outside in the yard with like a kendo stick, like air fighting.
0: Why is that dude weird? We and had not one of those like guys in our neighborhood. Ensuing
1: battles to come, man. Who is a strange man? What? We had a guy in our neighborhood that was that guy. Don't you
0: hear in the news? The Yakuza's, uh, fucking stronghold is growing every day. We need to get ready because so they, don't, they
1: don't fight with guns, they fight with fucking swords. The sword guys of the world that are gonna be our
0: saviors? Absolutely, dude. We're thinking, we well, you call them crazy now that dude lives in his mom's basement and fucking practices a sword all day, but when the Yakuza invasion happens, we're, you're gonna be like begging to suck that dude's dick and you're not even attracted to him. Yeah. So it's gonna fuck with your head a little bit.
1: Well, you know, that's where my skills will come to their use. That's that. So everyone who
0: can wield a sword, is it good? And you'll be, you'll be in with them because you can suck a mean dick by that point. Totally. You're like, all swords guys come here for after sword fighting relaxation (laughs) mode. What am I gonna do in this ninja future? You're gonna die. There's no, there's no skill for a pothead podcaster. I don't know. I don't think so. What if I like, I, I think you're right, I think I might die actually. I'm trying to think of an applicable skill for me in a, in a universe where like we revert back to why do you why does your dick sucking fucking bolster you to the top of society? There's like doctors and farmers and shit,
1: yeah, but when it, when shit goes down that's 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 the currency you know <laughs> in in the, in this horrific ninja apocalypse, money will be thrown
0: out the window, and the only thing like it'll be a system of trades and and fucking goods and services based on blowjobs yes and you're gonna be like the, you'll be like the fucking Getty or the um or the Vanderbilt of that time like you took advantage of it during the depression as you were like when there were no blowjobs around you were giving them all out so when the things upswing and everyone was suddenly like I wanna give a blowjob you were like hey 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 Johnny Blow Lately and then I'll
1: be the kingpin
0: of blowjobs yeah in this ninja universe yes that'd be fucking dope dude what would your ninjas be called they would be
1: <laughs> My ninjas?
0: Yeah, because you'd have like your own fucking foot oh, clan. Like they'd be called the <laughs> it'd be something clan. You're too busy sucking dick to think of stuff like be that. That's like it's understood. The blood well, clan. That's the one thing. You'll be Kingpin, but you're gonna be busy and your jaw's gonna hurt a lot. Yeah. So it's gonna be a trade off. The lock jaws. There you go, man. The lock jaws. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who I can't wait to live in this fucking future. Uh that's exciting. You, look at you, man. You just found, you just, like, look at you. You're all smiling and shit. You're like hoping it's this funny. comes true. Uh, yeah, totally. I don't want to, I know. Uh, okay. You'd be set. You'd quit your normal job. Yes. You'd set up in, like, some fucking loft apartment building in downtown. You'd hire some ninjas who were also really good at sucking dick. Yeah. And you'd go
1: out there and take over the city, I'm sure man. i sure I could find that pretty quickly. We're
0: on fucking bear? grinder. Yeah, dude, i or just whatever. get on
1: grinder and be like, ninjas. Calling all ninjas. Need Ninja gay, sexy ninjas, and like eight dudes Game show up. Eight dudes drop from the fucking yeah, ceiling yeah. and they're
0: like, Hello. Exactly. Dude, you're sex. Because you
1: know those ninjas, they're like on they're ninjas on grinder. Like they're they're like stealth, and then as soon as you be like ninjas, they'll be like boom, I'm here. Cause it'll be like, they won't even pop up on the radar and then all of a sudden it'll be like five feet away. See, but if you're
0: Kingpin, you're not doing any field work. And I like, I like the ninja future where like you're fucking sneaking into little kids' houses to steal their board games and like fucking hiding up on their ceiling. And like a little kid wakes up in the middle of the night and looks up and it's just you staring down and you're like, hi, I just want your fucking battle toads. Go back to sleep. (laughs) Or I will, I have a Shuriyuken. you know what I mean?
1: I want your Fireball Island.
0: Exactly, man. Like, you just become... You're like a cat burglar ninja that just steals board games from little kids and stuff.
1: Yeah, that, that's another I think you like the future
0: better where you're like the kingpin of blowjobs. Yeah. You were smiling during
1: that. Well, this one. I, I just imagining myself, like, crawling into crevices and... That wouldn't work for you. <laughs> I'd have to, like... I don't know For obscure '80s
0: game. board games, you wouldn't be able to scale a wall. I, I think don't you'd think be able so to. I think you'd be able to find untold amounts of resolve. <laughs> you think so, like you know, how moms lift a car when their babies are underneath it and shit. Yeah. Like if someone put a what is it? Oh, there's Fire there's, Island, yeah, Fireball Island. If someone put a Fireball Island behind like a plate glass thing, a window, I feel like you would just fucking bust through it. You know <laughs> what I mean? And not feel the pain until like a week after, until yeah. you were playing the game, and you're like, oh, I have an open sore. <laughs> it was all worth it though. Look at this. Good on you, Mattel. dude, I've watched commercials for the game. It's not even like anything crazy. It's just a fucking It's mouse trap. It's
1: fireballs. It's mouse trap. It's better than mouse trap cuz you don't have to put the fucking thing together while you're playing the game. Was that what killed Mouse Trap yes. for you? Yes. You
0: you're like, are like if only this it. game was pre-assembled. I'd and play And you like it every day. that's like
1: half most of the game is putting together the stupid mouse trap and then you got to wait until Somebody lands on the square, and then for all you know, the stupid thing might fall apart. I was always a dick, and I would just trigger it the second fucking we would start. So you'd have to redo the entire thing. Mousetrap sucks. You're right.
0: All right, let's skip Mousetrap. That fireball island there, Mousetrap
1: is overrated. What weapons. would your weapon be?
0: Except the power of blowjobs, like what an weapon? actual physical weapon.
1: Well, every um, ninja has a go-to weapon. It would definitely, I would have to go with the Psy because I would kill myself with pretty much any other weapon, I feel like. <laughs> Like, so it's oh not God, for it's
0: offense. It's more of just self-preservation, the weapon. Because
1: yeah, you can't really. you like, oh, Nerf bat. Cause, cause
0: a Nerf bat would be dope, dude. Think about that. You'd never hurt yourself.
1: I like, well, Casey Jones had a cricket bat. That's pretty cool. Or you can go with a cricket bat. He also bat. had a
0: hockey stick. He had a lot of shit, man. You But you got to be original in this, in this zombie apocalypse. A lacrosse stick, maybe?
1: A lacrosse stick? So you play, you play lacrosse? Did I play lacrosse? No. You weren't a big lacrosse guy? I was. Um, uh, you had to I, run a lot. A slip and slide? <laughs> a slip and slide. Like,
0: you could set it up and then just fucking slide into people and shit.
1: Yeah. You be know be like, what I mean? Hold on one minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Hold, Hold on, on one sec. Get, get a hose out. Like, set up the slip and slide. Be like, you're in it's for just trouble. No! Just fucking rear up like a bull and just slide head forward. I will crocodile mile you to death.
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, I want this future to happen, man. You run, you slide, you hit the bump, and then you die. <laughs> Motherfucker. Remember that song? I, I, I'm Crocodile Mile. Fond memories now, dude,
0: of you crocodiling. The Crocodile Mile. Every, everyone just get out of the fucking way. Exactly. You, they would put, like,
1: obstacles there. Not yeah. if I, like, greased up and I was lightning fast. You're like, hold on, I have to get a hose and some grease, and then you're done for. That could be my superpower. I
0: or even better, it had a hose filled with grease. so You could just do yourself and the fucking slip and slide
3: at the
1: same yeah. time. Yeah, totally. That could be your superpower. Speaking of Crocodile Mile, it was overrated. I got it. My grandma, we begged my grandma one summer to get it for us. What was Crocodile Mile? That was a slip and slide. It was a slide and there was a crocodile mouth. You'd go through it and then like there was a bump and you'd go into a little pool. And on the commercial, they made it look like you hit that bump and you like... Caught, like, all kinds of air. Totally. Did you not not catch air? Not even my brother, who was, like, half my size. Like, it was not... No. Katie Morgan has this thing in her backyard. It's hard to
0: describe. It's like a slip and slide, but there's a little fucking boogie board thing. Yeah. And the whole point is there's a continuous water flow. You keep the hose on, and you're supposed to, like take a running start, throw the boogie board down, jump on it, and then surf all the way to the end. But the only thing that happens is the second your foot touches it, you just you slam yeah. back and crack your fucking head on the floor. I could see that happening. But you keep doing it over and over again because you're like, I could do this. So for like an hour once, I just I was so black and blue. After one day, I will master well, it's kind of like
1: skimboarding, I guess. Don't know what that is. That's like when you're on the shore and you got the little thin board and you... Run and then you sl- you slide the board along the shore like where the water's like really shallow and then you jump on it and kind of slide around. But you can definitely like break your neck. Doing See that. if we were ninjas, we'd be able to do that shit. Oh yeah, and like throw
0: a continuous stream of stars, never ending. You know what I mean? Well, Like the turtles, there was that level in the Teenage yes. Ninja Turtles. That's game, what I'm basing this on. Where you're like on the boards on the, and the sewers? Boards. Yeah, man, they never ran out of ninja stars. And
1: it, no matter how high you jumped or where you jumped, your board was always right underneath you. Like. That's a skill. That's what'll be part of the ninja zombie future, too. Surfboards that never fucking... You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: They always stay... Look, it'll be based on magnets and like
1: shit. Like, you could jump across the screen and your board would be like... Vroom. Magic. I'm going to make
0: this come true for you, Brenda. That's a ninja skill I'm right going to make this
1: happen for you, man.
0: Everything but the blowjob part. You're on your own for that. I, but I will I'll make that happen. Will, <laughs> you're like, I'm a go-getter. I could do that on my own. It's going to be easy. it's gonna be a bright future, Brenda. So it's going to be so out. so bright, we got to wear a geese. Oh, yes. you like oh. that? Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll get to eat tons of Japanese food cause it's super popular and think of what else we watch anime and murder our enemies in their sleep. Like it's just, that's a future I think we should strive towards. You know what I mean? Commit seppuku when we fail. You, you're on that train on yourself, man. I'm like a fucking variation between That them. goes with it. I'm a Viking ninja. Okay. So i wear a hat with thorns and whatever, but I'm not killing myself. If I fail, it's on, you know what I mean? Try and try again. Like, we're new ninjas. We don't need to be that extreme. You know what I mean? All uh-huh. right. Like, we're ninjas that realize, like, the importance of, like, you know, workshopping. Yeah. Trial and error. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you don't kill a guy, there's always next week. That makes sense. Maybe someone else will kill him. Maybe he'll die of natural causes. There's no reason to cut your stomach open. It's messy. We've got families to consider. Like, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a modern, more eco-conscious ninja. We drink boxed water. Oh, we listen to uh, Arcade Fire and shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're like Earth Ninjas. Totally. I can't wait. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun, man. Um, you know what else is gonna be fun? Hmm. Upcoming events at Golden Apple Comics are are very very uh awesome cool sponsor. sponsor. Been serving Hollywood for over 35 years. GoldenAppleComics.com. And here to discuss with us some of the cool shit going on in the comic book world is uh Mr. Ryan Leibowitz. Ryan, take it away, sir. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Damn we know I him. Am. What are you doing in the ninja future, man? Brando's giving blowjobs. I'm apparently dead within a minute. What,
4: what wh- am I doing in the future? In the, in the ninja, ninja apocalypse future.
0: future. In, the, in a future where ninja skills become the main currency. Like you own a comic book store. How can that apply? Well, what will you do
4: i'm fucking dead
0: you're dead too Me and um, you were gone brendo's yeah. giving blowjobs he's living pretty you yeah. can read
4: like a million comics and it's not gonna save your ass
0: paper cuts yeah i'm
4: gonna try all that shit but it's not gonna work
0: like yeah exactly like you'll or you'll be like half off to all ninjas to try to get in good with them and shit like give them discounts on comics and stuff
4: oh yeah i'm gonna try to befriend them and yeah
0: that's I'll what i mean be- you've got some options but but sooner or later we're both fucking dead and Brendo's king of the world just because he's willing
4: to suck a dick. I'll give him a place to hang out and like read shit. And I'll give it. It'll be free or like like super huge discount. Yeah, yeah. You're like free for ninjas. Free yeah. if you
0: bring if you have a sword with you, the comic is free.
4: But I'm pretty much dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be fine though. Absolutely. Most of us
0: will be, and it'll be guys like Brendo ruling the world.
1: That's exciting.
0: With like, it's gonna be you in an apartment with like fucking eight billion board games. And the irony, it'll be like a Twilight Zone episode. You're gonna fall on trip one day, and no one will be around to help you. And it's gonna be you surrounded by all these board games you've stolen over the years. And you're like irony as they crumble on top of you. Yeah. As like alligator fucking dentist or whatever slams you in the crocodile head. dentist. See what I mean? You're already too concerned, man. That's gonna be the <laughs> death of you, Brendo. Watch out. What do you got going on in your store, man?
4: Lots, see, of, lots of, of cool stuff. Before
0: the ninjas take over, we still got some time to do cool shit. So what do we got going on?
4: Let's see. This week in the stores, like Iron Man 500 drop today. Damn, was, really? Huge. Yeah, it's a uh, big time Mandarin storyline. They're gonna they're gonna fuck some shit up.
0: Nice. I like I liked Fing Fang Foom because he had a diaper. <laughs> Dragons with diapers appeal to this, me. This one's
4: yeah, Mandarin. Mandarin's
0: there to. He's got a mustache. I guess that's kind of cool. But if he had a diaper roll. on, I'd be there,
4: dude. Yeah there's been some some good products this week uh next week on the Smodcast actually we're doing uh we got Reggie Hudlin we got Reggie Hudlin coming on Bagged and Border next week Reggie Hudlin filmmaker behind such movies as
0: oh I don't know Boomerang House uh Party. House Party Great White hype. He he was the head of BET for many years. He got He's done, the new Black Panther. He's done the run on
4: back on Black Panther for the last few missed, years. The yeah, movie, the DVD movie. The DVD, the DVD dropped yesterday as well. And you guys got a website you're working on too, right? Yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons we're coming on. We're going to big do this big launch event for a website we created called Reggie's World. So it's live right now, actually called Reggie's World. Like Bobby's World. Com. Is it him on a scooter? It's kind of <laughs> like, you know, I mean it, it really makes sense. If you know who Reggie Hudlin is it's really everything in his world. It's it's the comics he likes and the t shirts and the, the comics he creates and the creators he likes and, and the his friends. So, yeah, we're gonna you know, like Samuel L. Jackson and Eric Lasalle and all these guys also have comic books out there and you know, it's a place where you can find all this. Yeah, on what one who was that
0: on the website had a comic that I was like, Who the fuck had a comic that I didn't even know about? It was like like
4: Tyrese
0: or Eric it was, Lasalle? It was like some rapper, like it was like DMX or oh, uh, or Methodist.
4: M F. Grimm? Don't even know who that is. Who's M.F. Grimm? Uh, he's, well, his real name is Percy, but uh, M.F. Grimm. He's, uh, he's, uh, that ain't going to help. Oh, Percy? <laughs> well, he goes like Percy. You just grew up even. his fucking spot, dude. That no, guy no, no, was like, no. yo,
0: call me M.F. Grimm, motherfucker. And Ryan's no, no, he's, like,
4: he he's called Percy. No, he's got an uh, amazing Vertigo graphic novel based on his That's life badass. story. He's in a wheelchair. He got shot up. Oh,
0: I actually I have heard of that guy. Yeah. Now that
4: talk, he was in the big yeah, but he's like a he's like a dope like independent underground rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. MF Grimm,
0: yeah. very cool. So yeah, so there's a lot of cool shit. We're gonna talk to Reggie about that, and then uh,
4: and then you know this Reggie's World thing is just like it, it it's it just gonna jump off big, and so we're gonna do a big launch party, kind of like the Spawn thing we did um over at the shop in February. It's very cool. Big. So yeah, yeah, look out yeah, for that. And then uh, and then next Saturday we have a. Uh, we have a brand new ape entertainment book. It's called Freak Show. Uh, the cover artist, Derek Robertson, who's the co-creator of Transmetropolitan and the Boys. He, he, did, he, he did a dope cover for it. He's coming out as well as the creators and co-writers, David Server and Jackson Lansing. And then the, uh, the interior artist, Joe, Joe Suter's coming too. So it's a whole creative team. We're throwing a party. That's Sweet how we do it. it in Golden yeah. Apple, free, free booze. booze. And she, we like, always do free booze. Breda Palooza tomorrow. Get comics, man. Breda Palooza yeah. tomorrow. Brettapalo- well, tomorrow. Palu- well, Friday. Yeah. Well, it, by the time people hear this, oh, it'll be like yesterday. Yesterday. What happened? Are you
1: guys in the theater? Breadapalooza.
4: That's like that whole free beer tomorrow sign in the you know that you see yeah. in like the diners. That's it's actually that's just, true
0: in this case. So that's but what just happened. If you want to make sure you get there, just go to Golden Apple because they always have free booze. Pretty much. Even if they're not doing an event, just ask him. He's got a fucking under his desk. He keeps a bottle. Yeah just I'll give you a swig
4: You're like You're gonna get an X-Men comic And instead of like Would you like fries with that I'm like Would you like a beer with that You know what I mean Yeah yeah It's it service with a smile
0: would So like yeah some vodka? Check out Golden Apple Comics for, for booze and comics
4: Yeah Cause that's what we're all about
0: Absolutely Thank awesome. you very much sir See you man We'll see you next time Ryan everybody you know who else knows a little bit something about comics, folks? Um, and about ninjas, actually. Uh, ninjas the, and comics. We are very, very privileged to have the following gentleman with, yours to, uh, with us here tonight. There we go, English. Um, this man may be more responsible for shaping my childhood than my parents. And uh, I might have just creeped him the fuck out. He's probably a few blocks away by now, but so be it. I mean, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute. But ladies and gentlemen... Uh, I think we all know and love uh The following guest I think we all know and love his work And I think it's time to welcome him to Back to Border Please welcome Mr. Kevin Eastman, folks Welcome What's up, sir? Thank you for joining us, man
2: Box water is my new favorite See, it's it's oh, ecologically
0: friendly and stuff It is That's good you, it can, you can recycle well, for having it me on, guys. You this can awesome. make
2: puppets out of it <laughs>
0: It's, the opportunities are take, endless, take thank you so airplanes. much, Thank you so much for coming on dude. thank you um, as as I was just saying, uh, you had a large part in in my rearing. Awesome. I look
2: like I did a good job. <laughs>
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Are you like checking me out now? You're like, yeah, I can
2: see that a little
0: bit. <laughs> All right. Um, no, uh, I mean, we'll, no. we'll, we'll, get into everything, but just off the bat, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which yes. is some, which is something you create, you had a hand in creating. Yes. Um, it was, uh, the first thing I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. It was definitely the first moment I identified myself as a geek. Yeah. I was about five years old on a school, uh, on the school bus on the way home, and I remember Sitting by myself, looking out the window and thinking, okay, I'm five years old and I like Ninja Turtles. What's my next move? It was it was everything about my identity for a while, and it was the first time I really became a fan of something. I remember it was kind of like pre-Ninja Turtles, I was just a little kid, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, there was this second phase where life became about, okay, uh, I, I'm part of this special club that no one else, none of my friends are, are into as much as I am, and no one knows as much about it, and it gave me a sense... Really, a sense of identity, I feel like, more than just like, a, you know what I mean? A cartoon or a comic. Have you ever heard that before from anyone?
2: Well, yeah, quite a bit. I, you know, I've got the greatest, the greatest fans ever. And, um, it, what's interesting is I have a four and a half year old. And, uh, about six months ago, uh, he's playing in the studio and he's playing with these, the Ninja Turtles. He doesn't even know what they are, to be honest. He's like, what are these? And I no, said, like, well, yeah, the yeah. Ninja Turtles. And I said, do you want to see one of the cartoons? So, so he watches the cartoons and he's eight, slept in, in, Lives turtles all day long, so I've actually seen my corruption firsthand with my own offspring. That's Um, awesome. But but even like I have an older son, he's he's. You're like you know I made this right. (laughs) But (laughs) my my older son goes uh, well, you know he created those, and you know the four and a half year old's like. What? <laughs> it you know, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter. It doesn't what he thinks is that he discovered it himself. It's his own thing. He wants to be Raphael, which is weird because that's my favorite turtle. So, sort did I, I think he, everyone
0: wanted to be Raphael? Yeah, I think so cl- I, I want to be Raphael. Brenda, who did you? I want? like
2: Michelangelo. I knew you'd be a,
0: yeah, you'd be a renegade on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think <laughs> Raphael's the cool one. Yeah, yeah. But no, that, so that it's that was a good litmus test too. Is is finding out what kind of personality someone has by asking them yeah. what their
2: favorite turtle but is. But in reality,
1: I'm more Donatello because I'm gonna the geek. Yeah, I'm the geek,
2: so. Yeah, back in the, in the early days, it was always, cause we modeled these characters after, you know, either people we know or ourselves, and Raphael was sort of more like my character or the character that I wanted to be. Um, and Donatello was more Pete, Pete Lair's character. He was always like the guy, the first guy that got the Casio, um, uh, calculator watch. So know, We had
0: beeper watches. It, we're, we're, that's the thing. Most
2: turtle fans are mixes of all turtles, <laughs> though, unfortunately. But
0: before we get into turtles, sir, uh, you, you grew up in, you grew up in New England, right? Yep. Or?
2: Born and raised in Maine. Um, which most people think it's part of Canada, but it's uh, actually part of the United <laughs> it's States. It's
0: further <laughs> south,
2: actually, right? It, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> did you grow up um, reading comic books and and watching cartoons and stuff like that? Were you a, a quote unquote geek from an early age, or
2: so to, so to speak? I mean, I had a, um, where we grew up in deep in the in the country uh, in Maine. We got two TV stations, um, both black um, you know black and white <laughs> black and white TV. So we really didn't watch that much TV. Which um, you know again, growing up in the country. Um, I think I had a lot of more, a f- lot more free time to to draw and do kind of more creative things than than that. And uh, I used to have this paper not route not turn into <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I used to have this paper route, and uh, I'd save up my money uh, every month, and I'd ride seven miles one direction. I know it sounds like you know two feet of snow uphill both ways. No, I'd, uh, seven miles one direction to the store that sold comic books, and I'd spend all my paper route money in comic books. Read half of them on the steps of the store, <laughs> and seven miles back and do that. And um, I still remember my. I was I liked a lot of different kinds of comic books, but the one that really went took me to a whole other level was Jack Kirby's commandy That was I remember seeing Planet Apes when Absolutely, I was a kid. It was yeah. a huge, huge influence on me. And then when Jack Kirby did was... the first that was boy, a, right, or yeah. the
0: last, the last boy on last boy Earth, yeah, absolutely, solo. yeah. yeah
2: um, But that was uh, that was the one. That, so
0: you were you were into superhero books and stuff like, were you, or no,
2: not not so much. I liked uh, the I liked Sergeant Rock. I liked Weird War. Um, I liked Daredevil a lot. So it was, it was, it was a mix favorite, of so everything from an early age. A little bit of everything.
0: Yeah. Were you also? Um, into drawing or writing your own stuff at all from an early age as well? Like, were were you drawing your own comics and that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I was, um, you know, as mothers say when you get older and and stuff, she said, well, he drew on the walls of the house from the first time he held a crayon. But I would. I would draw literally, like, all the time. I was always, you know, especially when I saw comic books. And, again, not having any other distractions around I would set up my room there's like
0: moose and fucking whatever you can do with your (laughs) imagination I'm sure yeah I remember my
2: favorite this is one of my this is a true story one of my biggest inspirational things my mother said to me when I was younger she came up the stairs and I was of course reading comics or drawing them and she goes (laughs) she goes you better be good at that because you're not good at anything else (laughs) That's a was, motivator, you know, though, right? Was, you, you should, you know, my mom, you know, she swears like a drunken sailor, and she's got this this great attitude and smokin'. Ah, yeah, you better be, you know. Um, but that to me, I actually got scared because I was like, "Holy shit, I better be good at this, or
0: otherwise, I think I'm gonna get kicked out of this fucking house." <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, I was only like
2: eight, you know. No, yeah,
0: <laughs> that I mean, that'll definitely put some pressure under an eight-year-old's feet. Yeah. Succeed at what you're doing right now, or never talk to me again. Right. No, no. Expand, um,
2: expand the paper route.
0: So, at what, at what point did did the two things cross over? At what age were you like, okay, I, this is something I want to do. I want to I want to have some other little kid drive set ride seven miles in the snow to pick up something <laughs> I
2: created. You know, it was it, much later, I think, but it was always um, in in this in the sense that. From uh, I think sixth grade or seventh grade, um, I wouldn't do the the the, the English paper that they were wanted me to do. I asked my teacher if she'd let me draw in the comic book form. I used to do. I used to do the. I would be like, "Can I film my projects?" <laughs> I do to do the same thing. We'd have an yeah.
0: essay, and I'd film like a fucking comedy show where I'd be wearing a monkey mask, and they yeah. everyone in the class would look at me
2: really weird. Like, yeah, I would do that. Would be the same. It's like because I'd draw all these things that you know all the panels and make up this whole story. And, uh, so that's all, uh, so from like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and my parents were, again, were, were horrified as like, you know, and saying, well, you know, do that as a, as a backup thing, you know, do a career first, learn how to like drill things or poke holes and things or, you know, whatever. And, um, uh, um, but then, you know, I just never shined. Even when I got, by the t- point I got to high school and, uh, I used to hang out in the room all the time, even when I was not supposed to be there. Um, and my teacher there, Miss Hawk said, um, she said, look, I don't, think comics is the best way to go but if you're dead set on doing comic books then what it it appears to me is that you have to be able to um, draw everything you can see to do a comic book meaning that if there's a panel in a comic book that shows three of us talking on this stage with our box water and all this stuff. I have to be able to draw in perspective. You, me, the box, human water beings, open. water, tables, lighting, nature, everything. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and that really hit me. That was it was a really important bolt of inspiration and in, in reality. Is that because you know I draw. You know Wolverine doing this and that, but it's like you have to be able to draw Wolverine you know, holding a box of water. But theoretically, though, right? Yeah, so that was that was a huge thing, and so that really pushed me to a whole other level of you know. Well, and wanted to was
0: it always you know. just comic book art? Were you ever like a fine artist guy or a sketch guy or?
2: Um, it's funny because uh, um, you know, money drives you to do all kinds of crazy things. So I went to um, Portland School of Art for six months. And, this um, is after high school. So this is, yeah, this this is after high school. Us. So
0: after high school, you were like, I'm going to make a career out of this. I'm going to go to a school for art. Yes,
2: I'm going to go be a real artist. And I remember going to the to the interview um, the, <laughs> to get into the school, and the guys looking at my comic book stuff going, just turn, going like, oh, my God. Oh, geez. You know, and, and really sort of like we don't even think of this as an art form. Um, which really offended me, and I told the guy, I said, look. Like, he couldn't look at it? He was like, no, he couldn't uh, flip and past comic it.
0: Comic books, uh, yeah, so Like, he, please show me a nude perspective drawing yes. of you know what I mean? Like, uh. like, Exactly.
2: So it's like, so I tried that, so I had enough money to go to school there for six months, Um, and so I went out and sat in the field, did landscape paintings and drew buildings and did the nudes and did all the stuff, and I kept thinking in the back of my mind, like, I just need to get as much information out of this place as I can and I'll just apply it to my own comic, you know, to what I want to do with it. So after six months, I think they had enough of me, and I had kind of right. enough of them, and I didn't didn't have any more money no so.
0: had you had a concept for your own com- had you been writing your own comics at all yep, at this point you had been writing and so you were writing and drawing your own books while you yes. were in school yes
2: um, what was what was the... <laughs> the the first character I created was this character called Hitman, and he basically he was a, he was, he was a killer. Dressed like a superhero, so basically people would hire him to to kill people. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so I think that's you know, been like, stolen like thirty di- times. I mean, yeah, yeah that's
2: been uh, yeah. Like. And then was a uh, we had a German char- there was a character called Captain Kraut, which was awfully not even remotely PC. There was a couple <laughs> other. And when um, you you
0: said you said we were you already were you did you already know Peter Laird at this point?
2: No, no, that's it's good. No, I actually had this one other kid. That I used to hang around with school, uh, hang my buddy at school because he had his parents had money, and he had this massive comic collection. So I'd like, he'd he'd quote unquote hire me to do drawings <laughs> of characters that he came up with, and he'd give me comic books and trades. So thats I didn't have any money, so that was the way I'd get comics. So i would come up with these ideas, and I'd say, yeah, so I'd draw these characters, and I'd give them to him, and that would get me like three comic books. And
0: that's awesome. So you were prostituting <laughs> your work at a very... Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And you're like, I will work for comics. And you're like, but you're drawing comics. You're like, I don't give a fuck. I just live comics. <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's sure. awesome. So you, So that's where it started with this other guy... It would be his his kind of – come, you'd come up with the concepts together, and then you'd go home and write and draw and yep. do the panels and all that. Yeah, yeah. Were you showing anyone your work, or was it just kind of a fun thing you'd do with a buddy?
2: It was just mostly – you know, I'd you know, show uh, aunts and uncles and kids in the neighborhood, and they'd all go, you're retarded um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Because um, I really didn't – you know, comic books for so long in this country have just been such a disposable – entertainment form you know it's like you know you read them you throw them away Absolutely. people don't read you know, I mean, yeah i remember doing the signing once peter years later peter and i were peter and i were doing a signing and this kid comes up and he's getting an autograph from us and the mom's looking over her shoulder going what do you what so what do you guys do and she said we said well we come up with the ideas we come up with the stories we draw the panels out um, we ink them we color them then we Get them printed. And we come here to sell them. She's like, I didn't know actually real people drew these. I thought they just were made in a factory somewhere. She's, they, they just <laughs> like magic- an art yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah, and, and they she, have and, those. And, and then her next question was, and you make a living doing this? And it's like, well, sort of. We're we're one of the luckier it's like ones. Like, go home and watch your TV, lady, or like <laughs> that was, realize
0: that was, what you're spending your kids' money on the next time you go to yeah. Toys R Us, kind of. But yeah, yeah, that's funny. No, but that's funny, man. I mean, it's 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 such <clears throat> for years. It's been um. I think in recent years, kind of, and and you and and you help pave the way i think a lot of, in a lot of that sense but for the legitimacy has come in the actual appreciation of the art firm but for years yeah comics were something they were for little kids and you threw them out after you read them basically yep. and they cost like a nickel you
2: know what i mean yeah, exactly it's like you know people's you know the extent of their how you can make a living doing comic books is if you had superman number one and bagged and hidden in your basement somewhere and you pulled it out and sold it for you know eighty thousand dollars or what some ridiculous sum. otherwise you can't really make a living doing it um so they're like trading like a stock almost that
0: was the one way kind of that speculative <laughs> comic thing which right. which people still do unfortunately. Yeah yeah. So so you're drawing your com- your um your own comics with your buddy now. Yes. You're you're out of school. Where where does um where does the next step come in? How does Peter Laird and and uh, TMNT come into the picture, sure. as it were. Yeah.
2: Um, so I was doing a bunch of uh, freelance work for some guys that did mini comics, which is basically there was a couple guys that had a photocopy machine. So I'll do these panels, sell them, send them some stories, <coughs> um, and. Uh, and I had moved from Maine to Massachusetts, and I was riding the bus, um, over from Amherst over to Northampton, because there was a comic book store over there. Uh, In means, Northampton,
0: Mass, which is a very cool town too. Which is very cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely, it's yeah. A pretty
2: groovy little place. And, um, and so on the bus, I see this magazine called Scat, and it was a comic book magazine supported by local advertising. Um, so I immediately, you know, gathered up my portfolio, went to their, their offices. It was run by a bunch of hippies, and these guys, Said, well, we, we we figured out that we can make more money doing advertising work than actually the cartoons, so we're not really doing that any anymore. But you should meet this guy Peter Laird; he draws the same kind of wacky shit that you draw, uh, superheroes and blah blah blah. Yeah. And so they gave me his address. I back those days, I wrote him a letter. Uh, he wrote me a letter back, with back. an actual like paper. Yeah, yeah. He still had a copy. <laughs> it's of his rippy, dude. <laughs> <I> know, yeah. <laughs> with a stamp and everything. No, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he wrote me a letter back, and I just said, hey, dude, I am into comics, Jack Kirby, blah blah blah. You want to hang out and talk about comics? And he wrote me a letter back and said, sure, come on over. And so so uh, he lived in Northampton. The first time we got together um, at his apartment, I walked in. He's got this groovy little studio apartment that was tiny. Um, but he had – I walked in. There was this Jack Kirby original. Uh, it was a page – an unused page from the Losers comics. Oh, that's awesome. And I just – I mean I, I think I Instant soiled myself. Instant connection. I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God. I've never seen a real Jack Kirby original. Um, And uh, we became fast friends and said, well – you come up with an idea, pencil it, a one-pager. I'll come up with an idea, pencil a one-pager. Then the next day or the next couple of days, we'd we'll trade them off and ink each other's work. And then um, uh, about six months later, I would moved back to Maine... He met a girl, which is now his wife, moved to New Hampshire, just happened to be 20 minutes from where I was living in Maine. So when I finished cooking lobsters, <coughs> which is what you do in Maine, <laughs> to make a living during the summer. That and moose, right? Lots and, of mooses, yeah. I think. That's what I know Lots of moose. Um, <laughs> and so I said, uh, so when I finished work for the summer, he said, well, why don't you come down? We've got a roommate that just left. You can take one of the rooms in our house and uh We'll try to 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 come up with a way to make money doing comic books. So we formed um, Mirage Studios, which is because of which was a we Mirage. all
0: know now. Yeah, absolutely. But and that and and I read uh and it was and I, I read somewhere online that it was Mirage because you guys were just a few guys in in an apartment. Yep and it, 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 you had the appearance of an entire uh, comic book company as it were right yeah, yeah. totally
2: yeah it was i mean the the the, uh, the living room area was like i one overstuffed chair on that side one on this side that was mine that was peter's we had this bad little tv in the middle and uh, little lap boards and that's where we started doing uh, sketches and it's like you know he, he'd, we did samples for marvel and dc and places like that and got stacks of rejection letters so you guys um, were
0: just coming up with concepts and different characters drawing them trading back and forth for a while or
2: it was No, this was, um, I moved in um, September of 1983, um, and then we did a bunch of, you know, tried to draw Iron Man, tried to draw Batman, tried to draw um, Spider-Man, all these things, and sent these sample pages out to Marvel and DC trying to get work and got lots of rejection letters. Um, and then in November, um, I remember, it was like, as I love to say these days, is we had no distracting paying work going on. Um, Peter was watching, he loved the worst TV shows, um, TJ Hooker, The A-Team, stuff like that. And so <laughs> All I, I awesome shows. I know. <laughs> I didn't, you know. And None so I always thought it was, it was my job to um, annoy him as much as possible while he was watching his favorite shows. And uh so one night I did this sketch of a turtle standing upright. He had a mask on and nunchuck strapped to his arms. And I go, here's the next big thing. It's going to be a ninja turtle. Um, he laughed. Um, and, of course, in Studio One Upmanship, he did his own version of it. And I said, well, okay, I have to top you. So I did a sketch of four of them all standing there with different weapons and I put this comic book block said Ninja Turtles and when he, I did it in pencil and when he inked it in, he added Teenage Mutant to it and we just looked at it the next day and we said, dude, we just have to come up with a way to, to Actually, know, come up with a story to tell Support these- this drawing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that was what we did. We started the next day so we, uh so the,
0: the only reason Ninja Turtles exist, the only reason I am the human being I am today is because you wanted to annoy a dude while he was watching TV? Exactly. That's <laughs> fucking awesome, man. That's you bad. hold my destiny in your hands, sir. <laughs> um, okay. So the next day you looked at the picture and you were like,
2: this is, this is actually something we should work toward. Well, it's just so fucking absurd. It was like, you know, it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja well, Turtles. Well, the thing right?
0: is, no one la- when, you say, when you say, hey man, it's a Ninja Turtle, like we're in a room full of people and no one laughs well, now because we live in a then, universe like, of
2: fucking Ninja Turtles, but you're right. At yeah. that
0: first that first kind of time that word came i remember showing so it to my
1: mom and her it was one of the few times she actually cussed at me as a kid She'd like this is the most ridiculous shit i've ever
2: seen <laughs> I mean, no even <laughs> no it's even when, when when you know when years you know a year later when we actually published the book i remember giving a copy to my mom and dad and i'm going like oh my god oh my god he's gonna move back into the house i went to college <laughs> for this mom and dad yeah yeah <laughs> but uh you know as i to you know. So we did the sketch of the turtles. Yeah, okay. So it a, obviously, if you read the turtles, I was a huge Frank Miller fan, so I ripped him off completely. There's a big Sin City, uh, yeah. kind of influence in all, there. Every Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had all of his, you know, my Frank Miller, Klaus Chance, and Daredevils all over the table when I do my layouts. Um, Dave Sim was a huge inspiration because he was drawing, you know, this art like Barry. It was Cerebus at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like so I said, it's okay, let's copy Ronin. Let's make it animal characters. Let's rip off (laughs) Frank Miller's Daredevil. I mean, the turtle's origin... Is basically Daredevil's origin continued. And then we took all of our favorite other bits from Chris Claremont and all the people we liked, sort of rolled it into, you know, but, New Mutants was hugely popular. But the
0: great thing is for, for a generation of, and I, I don't know if your original target was kids. It, probably, it obviously it wasn't, wasn't no. because the Mirage books are not for, I mean, I had black and white. I had some of the black and white Mirage books as a kid. Mm-hmm. And though I loved them because they were turtles, they disturbed me. <laughs> in the way that like Duckman did and like a few other adult kind of things that, mm-hmm. that like I knew I shouldn't kind of, be reading it, but I still like I think it kinda it was it was dangerous, the black and white books.
2: Totally. I mean that was it was we as Pete and I said, it's like we wrote especially the early issues for, for us because we didn't think we'd sell them anyway. I mean literally we how we printed the first issue is so we wrote and drew the uh the first issue, forty pages, exactly how the kind of story you want to tell. We figured out all the, the things the foot ninjas and you know, in Daredevil had the hands so we had so the So you foot. had the foot, absolutely and, and yeah. the splinter, we had they had stick and you know, so there you go. Um Someone and, actually asked on Twitter if there was
0: ever a, yeah, my uh, friend a, Josh. a, a legal a legal issue with that and Marvel they sh- because they
2: probably I mean, should have and could sue the fuck out of us. And they never yeah. did, right? Nobody, I think they well, you know, yeah. much like anybody else, I don't think that they ever thought it would be anything. We didn't think it would be anything. So we, we've, in f- the reason, you remember those early issues were oversized? Absolutely. Uh, as, and there's a reason because, um, we found this local really cheap printer in Dover, New Hampshire, and, um, he did this, he would print, the only thing he printed was, um, as these, TV listings called the TV facts and it was an oversized thing that they gave away free inside the local newspaper And so he said can we get something that big with a two-color cover on it? Because we've only got this much money. We had enough to print 3,000 copies Um And he said okay And so he did, and we, when we, when we got him in, then we realized, oh my god, these are bigger than normal (laughs) comets. So Um,
0: basically they took like the penny saver stock or whatever and, and printed turtles on the first book on it. Exactly. Whatever
2: thing I had, that's awesome. So, um, and so when we printed 3,000 of them. We went to the printer and picked him up in Peter's, um, Vega station wagon, which, you know, you could get out and sort of do this to, to help it get up the hills. Um, we brought him in the house. We actually made furniture out of him because we didn't think we would ever sell them. We had a coffee table full of boxes of books. We had, you know, shelves, <laughs> boxes of books. Um, but we, we put, we had enough money to put one advertisement in the comics buyer's guide to sell them $1.50 through the mail plus 50 cents postage. We started getting calls from, um, comic distributors saying, we're getting a lot of calls from comic book stores that want to carry your book. Can we buy some was from it you? What, Was it the drawing of the four turtles?
0: In, yes. So that was what was selling, that that one image was selling the... Yep.
2: It was the one cover image of black and white in the comics buyer. The famous, guys. absolutely, yeah, yeah, that yeah. first, yeah. So we started getting calls, and so, because Peter and I knew nothing about publishing a distribution or anything so we'd hang up with these distributors and go uh what should we do you know <laughs> maybe we'll give them 10 percent off cover or something and so when one of them called back and we said well this is what we'll do and they when they got done laughing they said all right this is how it works um so we ended up selling the first the 3,000 copies in about two weeks to our shock wow. and my parents and everybody shocked. i think i kept all through the mail too No, we we got a few mail orders. Um, I think about ten or fifteen mail orders. But different
0: different comic shops were picking were were picking up out of those two thousand (laughs) copies. Yeah, just based on that one drawing, and from from two unknown. And neither of you guys had worked mainstream. Never prior to that point.
2: No, no, it was all like, um, no, we couldn't get hired. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, (laughs) we couldn't give we couldn't give our shit away. Um, and so uh, so within two weeks, that first issue was gone. It Was gone. Yeah, I mean, I only kept ten copies of my own. It's like. So them. by that point, you guys know you have a
0: fucking hit on your hand, right?
2: No, no. It's, you know it's funny because um, so the first stage comes out, we sell them, and we were grateful to sell them because we could. We I borrowed a thousand dollars from my uncle, and we could pay him back. Um, but we kept getting more Here's orders. Your damn turtle money, uncle. <laughs> <laughs> um, But we paid my uncle back, and then I went back and cooked lobsters for the summer. It came out in May of 1984, (laughs) and so I went and cooked lobsters for the summer. And that fall, you know, because I talked to Peter over the summer, and he said, we're still getting orders for these books. So we printed another 6,000 in the fall.
0: Still of that first book, oh, right? Of the first book, yep. Still of yep. one issue. So now there's 9,000 copies printed exactly, of one issue of a book that you sold based on a drawing. Exactly. Yeah, from, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Um,
2: <laughs> and, so, and then those sold out. And then so uh, we started getting letters and um, phone calls of people saying you should do a second issue. And we're like, oh, fuck. We should <laughs> do a second issue. Um, so we started working on the second issue. And then how the direct comment market works is you come up with a cover or synopsis and you solicit for it. And three months later, they give you the orders, and you can see how many, if you can actually make money before you even go to press. And so I remember Pete calling me in January of uh, 1985 and saying, dude, we got orders for 15,000 copies for book two. Holy shit. And I've done the math, and if we do six of these a year, we'll each make $2,000 per issue so we could actually make a living drawing comic books. And that was it. I had you know, quit some other job. I had cooking stuff for people, and, um, and I went down to, Peter lived in that, at that time lived in Connecticut, so I went to Connecticut and we started issue two, three, and then by goodness, I think some, uh, 1986, we moved back to Massachusetts and we were selling about 100,000 copies an issue at that time. It was, it's completely
1: independent. Now, two guys, completely independent. So two. guys. Awesome. And at one
0: point, there were the, there were the pewter figurines, and that went a big mm-hmm. way. That that became a huge thing too, right? And that was early. Uh, what was
2: that? The, well, <laughs> it was so. And those were lead, by the, the way. The lead ones. So, excuse me. No, yeah. no. So so they're really poisonous. So <laughs> oh, even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing. What better to give your kids? Than and I used poisonous to like put toys in my
0: mouth all the time as a kid. Right? Um, Maybe, but, man. Who knows? So we <laughs> we
2: around this time. So issue four or five uh, was, was had come out, and then. We did this, um, a a new upstart company called Palladium Books got a hold of us and said we do the Robotech role-playing game and we think the Turtles would be great for a role-playing game. And so we did that. Peter and I did all the illustrations and the stuff for that. And and once that came out, we had this other company which was called Dark Horse Figurines. They did these little lead figurines. Um, Now we did a t-shirt license. And then we started getting, this was probably uh, early 86, we started getting calls from... A lot of these agents, um, just the slimiest people. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> we, we did, we did these, in they, uh, you know, approaches and say, "Look, you know, we think this will be toys and cartoons and all this stuff, and sign exclusively with us for five years, and blah blah blah." And at this, Peter and I still said, "You know, look, it's a comic book. We don't. It was never intended to be anything else but a comic book." And we it's a
0: black and white gritty comic book.
2: Black and white gritty. And we had turtles. I mean, the turtles drank beer in issue two. I mean, the heads flew off. You know, we. Yeah, Casey Jones fucking kills people and stuff, right? He kills, like, he, killing people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I didn't. I didn't it's think I imagined like, that as a kid. And shit. No, no, yeah. we didn't. it was like. Um,
1: well, or, I remember my friend. My I had a kid on my block that had the comics, and that's how I was exposed to them. And I remember I had watched. It was right when the cartoon hit, mm-hmm. and then I went. He went back, and he had the comics for whatever reason. He was a smart kid, and we were reading them, and I'm just like, what the. Fuck, like, Case, like, that, I remember Casey Jones was killing people. They were chopping people's heads off. And, and I was like, this cartoon sucks, like, compared to this. Like,
2: yeah, it was really, it was, in the early days, it was very confusing. And then I think that, you know, this licensing agent that we ended up signing with, cause we, this, so about the 10th guy that approached us to license stuff, he, Came with his $800 suit and his perfect hair. Came – actually drove from New York all the way up to Massachusetts and to visit with us. And
0: because at this point, the comic is a major success. you sold yeah. hundreds of thousands of of copies of per issue. You only made like six issues or something around there. Oh, yeah, it was
2: about six issues. And Yeah. So, and yeah. and, and um, we'd done the game and the little figurines. And uh, he said, you know, five-year deal. And we're like, dude, really? Look, I tell you what. And we signed it on a napkin. We said, we'll give you 30 days. If you can come back in thirty days. We I mean we were making money. We, no, I, were, we were cocky little fucks. And uh the, um <laughs> then it was you know and, and um we could pay our bills. Uh um and I'm sure end some at this point Yeah, but right? well, it yeah. was yeah, it was still in the early days of just the publishing. And so um he said, I'll do, it. yeah, 30 days. He said, if I can come back in 30 days or something, give me another 30 days. And so he came back in 30 days and said, we're going to fly to California to meet with this company called Playmates that wants to do action figures.
0: Which, which had not really done much at that point in Playmates, yeah. right? Which was another little, new, like, kind of a new company.
2: Exactly. They made. Um, preschool toys and doll heads and stuff like that and they had had enough success that they wanted to get into the boys figure action figure market and so they took a huge roll of the dice with um with turtles and that's worked out for everybody involved yeah, yeah. It worked, you know, crazy crazy silly so we you know even you know through 86 and 87 that Pete and I worked on the because it was a five part animated series that we ran from Christmas of 87 um uh you know ran through the school break the Christmas break um so, you
0: know what, oh, I, I'm so sorry what, what, before
2: the transition from from the black and white
0: Frank Miller inspired gritty uh, adult comic and then you have all these merchandising people approaching you at what point did you and, and Peter Laird go maybe we're missing... At what point did you... I don't want to say descend, but at what point was it like, okay, there can be another incarnation
2: of the turtles in another medium? Well, that's... What's interesting, and that's a great question, because we never believed it. We never believed it would happen. We never believed... You know, all the flights we took to, to California, we looked at the toy prototypes, and we worked on the animation strips with David Wise and some of the guys, and then... And it... it, it literally, it, when it... When it finally hit us, it, very clearly, we were, a, we were at a KB toy store in, in Springfield, Massachusetts. The toys had just come out in June of um 88. It was like a pretty um simultaneous thing, right, yeah. the cartoon and the toys? Yeah, they did t- the the cartoon started 87 Christmas break and then they started working on new episodes in the spring of 88. The first toy shipped in June of 88. So it was like Star Wars. It was like the first start. So they did yeah. it
0: after that first break is when they dropped all those exactly. to- yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, the yeah. toy I remember
2: that summer
1: those toys like cuz I went to day camp Mm-hmm. And like, if you were the kid that had like the Ninja Turtle toys, you were the coolest kid at camp. Yeah. I had one toy, and I was still—I like, was the least. Cool I was kid cool because it. I at least had one. But it was, like, it was nuts. That was a crazy summer. No, it, it was.
2: No We remember we Peter and I were literally we were walking down the aisle of the KB toy store towards the action figure section, and this mother's dragging us. Her son out of the toy store going, I'm not buying you one of those stupid Ninja Turtles. And we, Peter and I were just like, oh my God. Because we actually want to see that they actually showed up and they were in a toy store. Um, and then, like you said, they, they started selling and. I mean, and,
0: I, I, and the thing yeah. is, I'm,
2: I, I, I was born in 84. So before.
0: I don't remember there ever being a time pre Turtles. I remember being <laughs> a little kid and then I remember tur- I don't like I don't remember <laughs> discovering the Ninja Turtles. I don't I don't remember getting my first Turtles toy. Mm-hmm. All I
1: remember from my childhood was just I had yeah. every single I remember thing. overnight it was like G.I. Joe and He-Man See, are gone. See, I never, I never even like, did those. It was like a total changing of the guard. Like <laughs> overnight, it was like I don't give a shit about your GI Joe figures. Look at these. <laughs> like That's, it was crazy. And that was, yeah. and and so you, so now this 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 comic book that
0: you guys uh, were writing to entertain yourselves is now a massive hit with kids in a weird kind of translation. Mm-hmm. Does it? What are you, were you shocked? Kind of? I mean, totally.
2: No, seriously. I mean, in every sense of the word, and I and I, that and sounds almost. Corny, maybe even a little pathetic at times, but it's sort of like we were we were fucking stunned. We were like, holy shit. And then and because it went from in 1988, we were still um, drawing 90 percent of the time and we were doing business 10 percent of the time. By the end of '88 into the first part of '89, um, we were dr- running the business ninety percent of the time and drawing. Uh, that
0: was when it really, really hit, right? Like '89, '90, '91. Because I, I well, mean, ninety—the movie. I went, the
2: movie came I went to the
0: I went yeah. to the coming and out. Of the, was... I went to the coming out of the shelter or Radio City. I was there for the opening night and shit. Mm-hmm. Like I had my entire house. I had like the gold fucking Leonardo on a shrine in my room and stuff. <laughs> like I had. Well, thank you. He hundreds awesome, upon man. hundreds of figures. But but what's so weird was until years later, like, I never knew there was an adult... Ver- I had the black and white comics, but as a kid, never made the connection that, like, oh, it's the same... It it's just so odd realizing now that the thing that everyone knows the turtles for is is kind of not what they were originally intended
2: for if that's a way to put it. No, you you're again 100% right. You guys
0: weren't of, trying to make a fucking kids product or no. or or a marketing thing or a merchandising thing. You'd, no, in you fact, know. I
2: mean it was, you know, it for so many, and again why we we really thought it wouldn't wouldn't really happen for so long was that you know, they kept going back to the original comics going, "Jesus, you know, we had to take all the and we take all the death out of the origin. We had to change this. We had to change. We, you know, the, the guy said, "I'm as I did the first painting of the turtles, and I made them with all red band band." They yeah, were they, all they were all red originally. And right? So yeah. the, the the toy company's going, "Well, how do you tell these fucking, <laughs> how do you tell these characters apart?" And I say, "Well." I know who they are. <laughs>
0: Kids are <You're> like Raphael's <laughs> the cool one. It's
2: exactly. not that fucking hard. Funny, yeah. he, he's the, the leader. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it they've, was got actually, we, they've got different weapons. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you always um, want to end a business meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Asshole. So that's how the <laughs> and, um, colored it, headbands came. Yeah, that was Pete's idea, and, he's, and Pete goes, uh, "Well, why don't we just make them different colored headbands?" And the guy says, "Yes." Um, so what, what was interesting is that we we went from an idea that we completely wrote for ourselves. Kept that aspect of the black and white comics, continuing the stories, writing the kinds of stories we wanted to tell with the turtles. But when we started on the animated and the toys, we knew specifically that we were writing for a younger audience, that we had to change things. And so when people say, "I can't believe you guys, you know, sold out and you, you let people take all your ideas and change them into this kid stuff," and like, the thing was that. You know, we were well aware of, um, you know, heroes like Jack Kirby and people like that that created most of the Marvel Universe and all the stuff and had been ripped off for years and years and years. And so even when we did the first issue of the Turtles, we filed trademarks and copyrights and and this stuff. You You knew to begin with. So we protected our characters. And then we were lucky in that the black and white comic book was selling well enough that we could be pretty cocky, you know? So when these agents came to us and said, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. We said, no, we won't only do them if we have full say over, final say over what the characters look like, what the episode of the, the cartoon shows were. What so the, you,
0: you two were super involved in the cartoon?
2: Yeah, yeah no, was, seriously, we had, we had approval, we had treatment approval, we had script approval on the movies and the cartoon shows. Like, and that, all- when I said that we went from, 90% drawing to 10% business in 88 to the complete opposite. The you next went to years.
0: managers of the turtle estate, as yes, it were. That became your job.
2: That was our job. So
0: <laughs> who was responsible for like all the new – like Bebop and Rocksteady?
2: Was that stuff you guys created yourselves? Some of it came from us and some of it came from um, uh, the animation company. They said, well – you know, we need bad guys because you can see like some like Casey Jones made the transition into Casey Jones. Thing.
0: April, there's, there's, a i mean, yep. there's a uh, who, like, what other, what other big, big characters did, were you, were, were you, did you come up with for the cartoon that were non like, was it ever a fun thing? Now going, okay, now I've got this entire different kind of sandbox to play in. Now I've got this kids' turtles universe where I can be silly and and loud and and cartoony.
2: Did you ever dig that aspect of it, or were you were were you like purist kind of? Well, to to an extent, and and to be fair, we had a, 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 at this time at Mirage Studios, because we started publishing other people's books, like, you know, uh, Ryan Brown came on, and we did this book, Ryan, 2920, and then he started doing turtle books, because it paid more than, Mike Dooney did this book called Gizmo, and then Jim Lawson did um, uh, Bade Biker, and we had a couple of the other things, and as it turned out that the turtles were selling so well, so these guys said, look, we're going to put our... (laughs) <laughs> characters aside, because this turtle thing probably isn't going to last too long, so we'll draw a bunch of turtle comics, come up with ideas and characters and stuff. So everybody got to the studio system that we devised at Mirage was that, if say, if you came up with character uh, characters to, that became part of the TV show, then you'd make a percentage of the profits on the characters you create. Oh, so so we,
0: everyone in Mirage was here, all contributing the, for, for the comic and the TV show and yeah. the movie. So that's cool. So it so was... So everybody got to throw in, and,
2: and it, you know, Pete and I were doing you know, at this time, we're doing, like, Good Morning America and talking, you know, doing... You know the the conventions, assigning the contracts, managing the business, working on the scripts, all the stuff. So a lot of times we didn't have a lot of
0: free time to sit there and be like, who, what bad guy comes in this? You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was so, it was fucking. I wonder crazy. if this is a manta ray episode. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Steve Murphy, a lot of the guys, because it was you know we had this whole um, Archie comics line because we again because
0: and I read that as well, and it yep. that even spun off to like Conservation Corps. <laughs> I, I I'm a, I was a fan, dude. Like that spun off, and there was a yes. crossover with the turtles and like. There was that entire line for years and years and years and years, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. When it just went on. I mean, we, we remember the first, the first year that the Turtles launched, they called it the launch year, which was 1988. Our agent said, "Look, this is how it's going to go down: is you're going to have a launch year, and if it has some success, the next year, 1989, will be um, you make some money, put everything in the bank, because the next year you're going to be everything's going to be in the discount bins. It's that's how licensing properties go." And so we were like, right, okay, good, we got it. So we saved everything, and 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 uh, you know, and, and it's um, you know, each time something else was done with the turtles, it just kept getting something bigger. Huh?
1: Yeah, the there'd movie. be there'd be the like as soon as I remember, it was such a nonstop thing. Like at the moment I got a little tired of something, there'd be the video game, which was an, the arcade game. <laughs> still were, is fucking huge awesome, and, and it was the-
2: everywhere, and it was like you had to fight kids to play that game. It was incredible. Well, you know, it's it, it again. It was such a uh, you know, so many lucky bizarre things happen like that. Like I mean, when the when we started working on the movie, um. Every studio, in, every studio in Hollywood turned it down. Um, uh, New Line Cinema was That's the amazing. only one. Nightmare, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was their biggest success, yeah. and they were just tiny little studio.
1: The House that Freddie built. The House that yeah, Freddie built. built. So they were right the only
2: there. one that had the balls to take it on. We'd gotten this really terrible writer that came on board. We, we almost threw the project. We had, actually, we had proposals from Roger Corman's company. Was it New World Pictures? Their ideas was they were going to put um Billy Crystal, Sam Kennison, um <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, god, who are the other ones? Let me think. Um Bobcat Goldwaite and another topic. As the Four as the Four Turtles. As the Four Turtles. They would you know they just paint the face paint where shell. Oh my I, so, god. I saw the original submission, the original script. They were gonna fight these rollerblading, half naked nuns. Um I and, really wanna see this movie now. Oh, like, I just
0: went <laughs> off away from the podcast somewhere. I'm That's imagining <laughs> Sam Kinnison as like fucking Michelangelo and shit.
2: <laughs> It was, it was
0: that's awesome. a man. that's
2: weird, man. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, and so we so we we saved all these 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 things. But the like the with the arcade game that was when they first came out with that four player system. When yeah. you actually have, you know, the X Men, the Marvel ones, X Men, there was X-Men, one, X-Men, yeah. there, was there was quite a few Marvel ones one Simpsons. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was, um, and so there, a lot of it the was golden age stuff. of beat em ups, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Steve Barron came out to direct the picture when it looked like it was just completely going to go down the toilet. And you know, he did. um Diestra's money for nothing video, Billy Jean, all the uses of like the video whiz kid, and he came in with this great vision. He brought Jim Henson to the Who studio. We did the amazing fucking. We did an amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking job, and uh, it just you know it was really it's it's you know you have people, uh, different celebrities probably that you've talked to that said when you when you're inside this thing. You don't see what's going on because you're so wrapped up in and you're just dealing with the business day to day and kids and a personal life and you know what I mean. And you just work. And we worked, you know, nineteen hours. No, I'm a sure
0: day. you guys had how many different properties and and yeah. and you wanted and you weren't negligent parents in the sense that you weren't like, all right, take take this thing we created and do what the fuck you want we, with it. You wanted, you need, to, you wanted to be
2: involved in every every aspect. So it's like even when it, when it got to the point where you know and it does, it still sounds ridiculous. I mean, we had. There was between three and four thousand licenses worldwide. I mean, we were, you know, doing. We had I mean, maybe Ninja Turtles and Turkey. Dude, there was we cereal. Had, you
1: know, there were the pizza, fucking, pizza <laughs> snacks. There were the, um, the the, the, the custard pie things. The pies. Oh my those? god, those, I love
0: those, those pies. Were actually, those were good, man. Those were disgusting.
2: No <laughs> See, way. <laughs> <laughs> to a kid, no. It's like I you used to. He's talking to the, to the man who, who bought Milton. No, no, no. I grew up on you know Twinkies and Funyuns. No, yeah, you know, yeah I remember like, the, there was uh, the ice cream. There was pretty bizarre. those pies they sold a lot of fucking. I bought them. That an ecto cooler.
1: I, <laughs> I was telling Derek. Yeah, I was telling Derek for, for a while. My favorite things were were the pies and the Nintendo sodas. There was Yoshi Green Apple. <laughs> I mean, it was just licensed shit everywhere. That's so. It's horrible. From that, yeah. <laughs> so, so you cut to a cut to you cut to like maybe five years later, and
0: and the Ninja Turtles are running the world basically.
1: <laughs> Crazy. It,
2: Yes. It, does
0: it, does it change things on a, on a, on a day to day as far as what you, what you want to do creatively? What, what the point of the company is? Because like you said, it went from writing and making comics to kind of just managing the business. Mm. Um, what, what did your day to day creative involvement come, like, at what, at what point did it, did it go to, okay, it, this is, this is kind of, i birthed the thing that I can't be
2: the sole owner of anymore almost. Well, it's, it's, it's a great question too that, that back when we did the first issue, um, because I was like, um, after, you know, Jack Kirby, who always did so many, so many different kinds of characters, so many different kinds of things, I was a huge, huge, huge fan of Richard Corbin, and I I loved underground comics, Vaughn Bodie, um, you know, uh, Robert Crumb, uh, that kind of stuff, and I always loved, especially like with Corbin, um, you know besides den and a few regular characters everything he did was different he'd do it you know a six page this a seven page that or something and i said that's the that's the job i want i want to still doing that yeah still and he still doing i said i want to just so i never thought the turtles would go beyond the first issue and you know of course when it did we we stuck with it so um but i kept saying i've got this huge stack of other stories and stuff that i want to do so in 1990 i did a couple things is uh I founded the Words and Pictures Museum, which came out later and then closed later. Um, but I founded uh Tundra Publishing, which was um Tundra Publishing was built around um you know, in the in the late eighties I was going to a lot of comic book conventions and I'd meet guys like, you know, um uh Dave McKean, um, Neil Gaiman, Simon uh Simon Bisley, um Alan Moore, uh Sienkiewicz, those guys. Um and they said that you know, it was a complaint that I heard a lot is that they they have to do this mainstream Marvel or DC work to pay the bills, to pay the mortgage, take care of their family. But if I could only do my own idea, this is what I would do. And I'd keep going, and I kept saying, man, if I had a publishing company, I'd publish From Hell, and I'd publish Madman, and I'd That's do right. Cages, and I'd do, and then I did. So I set out to, um, create what I called the Apple records of comic books, um, which, and it, and I kept saying, and it's not going to turn out the same way as Apple records, which it did, <laughs> was that I said it was, um, all of our deals were eighty twenty split with the, the lion's share went back to the artists after we recouped the cost of publishing. They controlled all their entertainment rights, et cetera. So now it would help liaison uh, with Hollywood to get some of the stuff And what books
0: possible. came out from, from under, under the Tundra uh, label? Like,
2: We did, well, um, we did Taboo with uh, Steve Bissett. We did uh, Cages. We did a sketchbook line. We did George Pratt uh, books. We did Michael Allred's uh, Madman. We did, uh, oh, God, um, my favorite and dear friend, um, uh, Martin Neiman's uh, White Trash, um, uh, Violent Cases. And are you
0: concurrently still doing stuff with Mirage and Turtles? No, I. I Where you left at that point?
2: No, I, I. At that time, I was. At that time, I was. I was you were. Still, so you were still doing. But so now you've. Yep. You've got all the turtle stuff going on and your own publishing. And I started this new publishing company. And so you were. Were you sleeping ever? <laughs> no, no. I think I found cocaine somewhere around the middle of this. <laughs> no. Um. Somewhere in between <laughs> bebop that came and, and fucking, with yeah, the, with yeah. the, with the fireworks and the yeah. Um. But no, no. I was. You know. Even since you know, in high school, it's like i I'd get four, four and a half hours sleep a night. I just had too much energy, and I was like... And then I'd burn it. I'd work, 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 work. See, work, and,
0: work. and it's almost, and it's, it's, it's the anti-George Lucas, because I just put it, in a way, you could have been one of those guys who your first thing is such a hit that you get trapped almost. Because you always yep. hear George Lucas has a, a stack of scripts. He, other non-Star Wars stuff he'd always wanted to do his whole life. Yep. And, and it seems like it could very easily, the same thing very easily could have happened with Turtles almost, where your mm-hmm. entire identity could have, so, it was, so was Tundra really big in in a, in a sense that it was something you needed to do? It, it was Tundra was to in, get out of turtles a little bit. Definitely, the, yeah, yeah. Because
2: yeah. I had this um, I had this story that I started working on with Eric Talbot called Melting Pot, which basically the sum the 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 summary was basically it's this thing that starts bad, gets worse, and ends horribly. It was sort of like taking a lot of aggression of the stuff that I couldn't do because I was doing so much turtle stuff, and I wanted to do this really edgy science fictiony kind of. Brutal story, and um, and I think it took um, about eight years to get it done. Because besides doing the turtles, besides now I started this publishing company to do publish more of my own stuff. Then suddenly I'm publishing everybody else's stuff, <laughs> but my stuff. And it seemed it was sort of you know it was almost like um, I kept pushing myself further and further away from the drawing table for a long time because I kept starting these these new things that you know and I keep going why am I doing this because I I want to be drawing in it and it just sort of Was weird. It's the way it worked out, and and it's taken. You know, and and I've you know I've done lots of short stories, and I've done some other stuff, and I've done. Um, You know when I bought heavy metal. And we're going to talk about heavy
0: metal for in, in yeah. a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is kind of the second. I don't want to say the second half of your career, but definitely. Pretty much, yeah. The next, the next post turtles thing. But you're, yeah. you're always. Are and now this is. Um, had had you? Are you still in? I, I know. I know. There's different stories about who sold off what rights mm-hmm. and at what point you became non-involved and back involved. But was turtles always a through line up until a certain point where it kind of went away? Full stop. Is it? Are are you still involved? Because we, your your name is still attached to movie things we always see and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean the the co-creator stuff is is, that'll always be there, and I retained uh, a small rights to publish some of them. You know, the stories, the the, the Turtles' autobiography, and the 25th anniversary, and some other things. I licensed that Pete gave me the rights to do, Um, but in 19, let me see he took a short break in like 95 96 97 just he got a little burnt out and so i worked and i, I did this um the last thing i did was the turtles live action tv series and brought in the the incredible the, venus the, the girl, girl turtle. turtle um the turtle with boobs turtle i remember boobs. her yeah. and uh <laughs> and so when and that it was when that show was canceled um and the TV, the cartoon show was off the air the live action show was off the air um not for ratings but it was just uh, but any um and then I was just cooked at that time and I was, you know, uh, wanted to, you know, but I think around that time, Tundra was, i had merged Tundra with Kitchen Sink because I just couldn't, just couldn't, I took on too much. Um, And so Pete and I talked and I said, look, there's not much going on with the turtles right now. Why don't you buy creative control of the turtles? I'll retain a small piece of ownership. um, So if you ever sell it, I'll get something down the road. Um, I get a little off the top of the deals that you still do, but you pretty much, you can run the whole thing. Soup to nuts and he agreed and he did that. Uh, He, pretty much single-handedly with um, uh, the guys at Mirage relaunched the Turtles with Fox Kids. And that and what was that,
0: they had, new, that second incarnation yeah, of the cartoon. Yeah, did an
2: amazing job with the new kids uh, the reinventing it for the new TV series, the new animated movie and that kind of stuff. And then three years ago, um, we'd reached a point where I said, look, you're running the company's doing what it is. I want to do some other things and I want to invest and do some other projects. Why don't you buy out the rest of my interest? And so I think it was probably yeah, about three years ago. So so though you're always so always,
0: you're the creator your 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 day-to-day involvement in journals is ended, has ended 3 years ago and you've you No, yeah,
2: actually the day-to-day ended probably 1997 97 98 By then, I was actually—I started working on this really crappy movie, Heavy Metal 2000, which I did. Um, I was doing, you know, the new Heavy Metal movie. We're going to
0: talk (laughs) about, yeah, we're going to get into Heavy Metal right now. Um, so, but, but, uh, uh, before we before we leave Turtles, um, I recently saw something called Turtles Forever. It's fucking awesome. Have anyone in the audience seen Turtles Forever? It is um the last episode. Thank you, Derek, up in the booth. The, it was the last episode of that Fox, yep. right of the Fox series. And basically, what they did was, if you haven't seen it, folks, like you're gonna want to watch it after you hear this. Like, stop listening to the podcast, watch it, and come back, and then you'll appreciate me that much more. Uh, it's a crossover with the eighty with with um the original eighty five Turtles, yep, the new Fox Turtles, uh, the Mirage Black and White Turtles. And it references like the video game, the movie. There's a turtle multiverse, basically. You and Peter Laird are in it.
2: Yeah, it was. It was, and I think it was a brainchild of Peter's. Um, but I know that the. And I'm, I apologize. I can't remember the director's name. I think Peter and the, and the director of the, the Fox Kids series came up with this idea. They took the the original, really, really, really goofy turtles that uh, we all know and love. That we all know, yeah, from the from the 89 series, and then put them with a the new with the new uh, edgier. Fox Kids And turtles. that's what's
0: great When comp- the, the, Like yeah. My Turtles yeah. Are retarded <laughs> Compared to the 80 80- <laughs> they, They're always like Shredder's about to kill April And then the Fucking 89 Turtles <laughs> Like let's get some pizza dude And everyone just stares at him I or like every if they keep doing the fourth wall stuff. It's really really smart. It's really
2: smart, and then
0: kind of like like it totally like breaks the fourth wall down. Like this is a cartoon, like, you know. It, it's really really great. Yeah, uh, then,
2: then, the, then the yeah, and the final fight is they go into the to the black and white turtle world, and they meet the edgier. And that's the fir- was that's the first time those first time ever yeah, turtles, been, about, and they did a pretty damn good job. They, they really point, did. The animation looks like the black and white cartoon. to a point where
0: you're like, oh my god, a black and white turtle cartoon would be awesome yeah. because there's been a rumor for you, before we leave. Turtles, I, I think we'd have to hit on this. There's been that rumor for the last few years now that they're, they've been working on an, a gritty, edgy Turtles movie or show based on the original Mirage comics.
2: More or less, from what I know is it,
0: that are they still or is that something they're still trying to do do you think
2: yeah one of the the a uh, good friend of mine um Galen Walker um who produced the turtles um uh, animated movie the emoji movie that Kevin Smith had a great absolutely
0: that, that that line and yeah <laughs> yeah
2: um and uh I'm Jewish that line yeah <laughs> and Scott Medic, they, they, they had gotten the rights to do a live action thing and sold those rights to to Paramount and they're still attached as producers of course and so they had been developing an edgier Turtle movie that then um, last year uh, Michael Bay's company Platinum Dunes came in and have I've, since taken over because there
0: was something with James Cameron and David Fincher before that right oh no that's for, that's that's heavy, for metal, heavy Metal which yeah. we're going to talk about right now look for, at that accidental segue I just go. made
2: right He's getting, these guys are getting really professional I stumbled so. onto that shit so
0: <laughs> Turtles is done um, uh, it's still something you'll always love and and, and cherish. It's still your mm-hmm. baby, but you've moved on. Where does heavy metal come into the scene?
2: In um, I started Thunder Publishing in 1990, and uh, um, I was always a huge fan of the heavy metal magazine. Bought the first issue off the newsstand when I was a kid. Still Wait. couldn't believe the guy sold it to me. And let's I, <laughs> I think for
0: the, for those of you who might not know what heavy metal is, it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, comic book anthology yep. magazine, kind of in the vein of like 2000 AD or whatever. Where uh, but it's. Mostly sci-fi and fantasy and kind of more adult-themed lots of boobs and stuff like that. Yep. Um, Very famously, there was, there was an animated film in the 80s, right? And yeah, Ivan Reitman's uh,
2: yeah, Heavy Metal. Heavy movie.
0: Metal, and then there was the uh, Heavy Metal 2000, of course. And then uh, also, it was parodied on South Park. Oh,
2: that was the best parody ever. Yeah, it was awesome. That was major boobage, I think. Yeah, major it was, was Kenny,
0: Kenny just having sex. It that must funny. have been awesome. That must have been great,
2: right? <laughs> when they go to the, the Heavy Metal land and all the the houses are shaped like tits. Everything, everything, everything are everything tits, yeah. Kenny's just trying to have sex with every. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But that's what heavy metal was as a kid. I remember seeing it in stores,
0: and this is and and that being like, okay, it's it's drawings, but they're naked. Like that was, you
1: know what I mean. I just it remember was, opening it up, but there's people having sex. I was like, whoa,
2: <laughs> it, was, is, it, it was. It was f-
1: that f- is heavy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, no, it, it, that's exactly what it was. And there'd be was, like the Frazetta centerfolds and like all
1: this other mm-hmm. stuff. And
2: so I think just, around the time that it's like uh, 1976, 77. I mean, Star Wars had come out, and and you know superhero comics where the Comics Code Authority had been so freaking fucking generic. I mean... By that you know, point, and, uh, and, and, you know, guys in skin-tight suits, But you know, oh, I had seen it, seen it, seen it, and then along comes Heavy Metal, and Heavy Metal staple material that they publish is they buy the rights for european comics mostly french comics translate them and, and well, it, publish was them
0: here. Fr- it, it was based on a it was a french a magazine, magazine
1: right Herlon, and there yes. was a lot of milo manera and yeah and that's where manera, 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 manera mobius um that mobius yeah that's Blum. where i knew mobius from was like that kind of stuff yeah. yeah
2: and they married it with like you know guys like that's where i discovered richard corbin den was published in the early thing uh Vaughn Bodie was published uh, back then, and and so to me, but when I discovered Heavy Metal, um, I, I literally went into this, this smoke shop, head shop. They had some comic books there, and then there's Heavy Metal, and then I bought the first issue of the newsstand. And I remember going up to the counter, you know, going, "Oh, you know," and he's like, "Oh, it's a comic," and sells it to me. And that's the first time I saw sex, yeah, in comic books. And I was like, "This is awesome." Yeah. And then, um, but it also, more importantly, was that it showed me it was a real eye opener because it just hit me that any story you can come up with um, you can draw in comic book form. It doesn't have to be... They don't have to have fucking capes on. Exactly. They don't right? have to have yeah. capes. They don't have you know, secret identities and the same soap opera shit going on. It's like you can do...
1: Well, that was the other yeah. thing about it that I thought was so cool was like in the midst of all the sex and boobs, there were some really cool, crazy stories being told. Like just some crazy shit. Stuff that like they couldn't do with the, com- with the comic code in place. Crazy can murders yeah. and yeah, you like do... all kinds of cool
2: stories. Really out there fantasy stuff. Yeah. Like... Yeah, you couldn't. It's like the Comics Code, that's, you know, it would never be approved by the Comics oh, yeah. Code Authority. And that yeah, was, yeah. I think when Heavy Metal started, I think that really opened up a lot of American cartoonists, I mean, comic book guys, their eyes going like, oh my God, there's this whole other world and we want to be part Frustrated of it. Frustrated
0: guys world. who don't want to draw a fucking Flash all day long every day or <laughs> yeah. or Gorilla Grodd for, you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's you know, um, so in 1990, uh, I started Thunder Publishing and I had been looking at a bunch of, French hardcover books and those kind of things, the kind of stuff I wanted to buy the rights to and, and, and sell here. And a friend of mine was visiting, and he calls me from New York from the Office of Heavy Metal, and he said, "He said, dude, you know Heavy Metal's for sale. I'm like, what? How much do they want for it? Of course, I had you know, pockets of turtle money back in those days. You're like, I'll just <laughs> throw some of that fucking turtle cash at it, baby. <laughs> turtle no, and, power. And, 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 and he told me what they wanted for it in, a, in, in, in well, it half a million bucks. And I was like, well, what's wrong with it? Seriously, this is a huge, this is a huge part of my life. Um, this, this company, and it is, you know, cause you imagine it's like, like the Marvel offices that, you know, the heavy metal offices must be like two or three floors on some yeah, high, yeah. high rise building in New York <laughs> City. You know, not, you know, an old Jewish guy and two other assistants <laughs> running it out of the back room of National Lampoon. Is that is what really what doing. it was? Yeah. That's really what it was. And so. You're um, like,
0: old Jewish guy, you've
2: broken my dreams. Howard Gerovsky, <laughs> he's, he's great. He's my partner and buddy for, you know, we've been running this thing now 20 years together, 21 years. And so, uh, I did my due diligence. I bought it and then I started, I just went and met with all these these foreign publishers and, and uh, looked over all their catalogs and all this stuff and I just started putting what I liked into the magazine and thankfully that sales started creeping back up because the sales were not very... It was only doing four issues a year at that time. It was... Uh, it was hurting. And the magazine's been around. for How long have you been
0: owned the magazine and been editing it for? <laughs> See,
2: I bought it in 1990, so I'm 21 years. Wow. And you I'm said old.
0: and sales
1: are...
2: Uh, sales are better than ever. Incredible. We, great I mean, yeah. on, we do nine issues a year, about 100,000 copies we per put issue. put out a lot
1: of those really cool books. I always, a lot of hardcover books. I always like going and looking at the hardcovers because... You're at every, you're at the, I was, you have the big giant heavy metal booth at Con. You're at every con, yeah. you're at the heavy metal booth with, with the sunglasses and the leather jacket. And and you have going, a yeah, yeah. combination of heavy metal fans and dudes wanting Ninja Turtle sketches. That's it. It's That's a it. great it. mesh of And you people. can tell the two because
0: the, the heavy metal fans will just walk right up and be proud, but the turtle guys are kind of embarrassed because they have to walk to the heavy metal booth to ask you about a turtle's thing and they're not going to talk to you about heavy metal, they just want to talk about bebop.
2: <laughs> they, no, it's, it's it's a lot of people know. like bebop and rocksteady, myself included. But yeah, no, <laughs> no, no they, they, yeah, you, I, I've done many of sketches. Well. So, uh,
1: so um, I have a really random question because we were talking about the games and I didn't get to ask it. Did you have anything to do with the original Nintendo game and why was it so fucking hard?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was an inside the park one, bro.
2: You um, throwing me curve curveballs. No, and you know it's it's funny because. Um, I remember, like, uh, uh, with, It was a with, Brendo ball. I, I remember when Pong came out. I mean, I played Pong and thought that was the most awesome thing. And then, yeah. the, then the one with the guy that has a, the seesaw, you jump and you kind of, and then, uh, asteroids and all Mappyland
0: so with the seesaw. Mappyland, yeah, yeah. The little yeah. mouse guy with
2: the, with the, you mean the, the, um, trampolines or whatever? Trampolines, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, I'm trying to say I'm a, I'm a video game sort of retard, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when they were showing us some of the stuff that they're doing with the game, I'm like, I don't get it, but Pete, being Donatello and the, and the geek, loved mm-hmm. this stuff, and he was, he was totally into it. But I think that all their programming and all this- That stuff
1: original that they... Nintendo game was awesome, but it was also the single-hearted- Like, I seriously think it's one of the few Nintendo games that if you say you've beaten it, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> Like I'm I mean, not it, joking. Like I, I, I that <laughs> underwater level was nuts. And I want to get
0: back to I want to get back to heavy metal. <laughs> but I but just forgot about that. He is right. I rebought it. They put it on sale on the PS3 network about I a think? few months ago. And as an adult, I tried. Yeah, it's, it's fucking impossible. Holy shit! It's mine. a really hard game. But it doesn't make game. me not want to play it. Um, <laughs> so heavy metal. So you're you're running the magazine, and what's what's really cool is you you went from um a guy who who. Uh, created something that was so huge to a point where now you gotta get to
2: endow other creators,
0: as it were, right?
2: Yeah, but that was with Tundra. We, you know, was trying to publish, a and lot that of seems,
0: my... and that seems, that second phase is is kind of, I don't want to say giving back, but allowing other dudes their shot or, well, chicks. or <laughs> chicks or chicks or chicks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: No, it was, that was that was that was the intention, and 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 we had some success, but I think that it was um, what I had, what I learned very painfully and very expensively was that you know when dave McKean's drawing arkham asylum and he's selling hundreds of thousands of copies of the book cuz he's drawing fucking batman and the joker and he's drawing arkham asylum you know Ar- 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 arkham asylum when he's drawing one of my personal favorite books cages about us this weird cat that walks through this jazz blues kind of world where people pontificate about the the meaning of life that and other sounds things awesome uh, he's not completely not uh, not the arkham sales. asylum crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know, when we sold, you know, eleven thousand copies of that, um, you know, and it continued that you know, basically anything that you know, when they when people when those guys were doing superhero books, they're selling lots of books. So, you know, if you ever read the Comics Journal article I did with with Gary Groth, it's the the cover's great because it says, you know, Tundra, Words and Pictures and how to lose fourteen million dollars was basically <laughs> you can download it off the heavy metal website. It's the whole right, article's it's yeah, like yeah. sixty pages of and and Because and a lot of people were commenting on, well, this, Kevin should have done this with Tundra, and he should have done that, and he should have done this, and, you know, they had a lot of their own opinions, and so I called Gary Groth up one day, and I said, look, if you want the whole story, I'll tell you exactly, I have nothing to hide, I have no regrets, I don't regret any of the things I did, here's what happened, here's why it worked, here's why it didn't work, and, and, and here you go, mate, and uh so, but, uh, so, what I did keep out of that, you know, when I merged Tundra with with Kitchen Sink, Dennis Kitchen was the best steward to carry on with some of those projects and see him through, like the Crow. We published the Crow after um, those kinds of things, and I just had, had been so in love with heavy metal because it's. Basically me and four other people, the entire heavy metal staff is literally four people. I That's pick, awesome. I as pick,
0: opposed to the turtle, I'm sure mo- it was, multiver it was 35, a corp- 40 people. It was a corporation, it was a, it was a
2: it was corporation. A worldwide corporation. Yeah,
0: it was yeah. It was so corporate. now heavy the entire heavy metal is put out as you and three people. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I
2: pick pretty much everything that goes uh on the cover and everything that goes inside and I answer all the letters and do all the so stuff. So this is your
0: this is definitely not only your your business but your labor of love, it seems like this yes, is I love uh, it.
2: yeah, it's huge.
0: What uh, what are some future what are the future plans, sir? So other other than heavy metal continuing to to rock and roll, which which we, I mean I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah, no, we we actually we've we you said numbers are better better than ever. I mean, you know, yeah. we're
2: we're very lucky. It's it, you know like the turtles. You know, we've just had uh, the the greatest fans. It's still I have people that come see me every year in San Diego. I've been going to San Diego. 20 this year will be my 27th wow. year um uh heavy metal is the same way that we've got a um i mean a subscriber base of like you know 25 30, fans a lot of them are guys like i'm 50 years old i've been buying you know um and they're still subscribing and they've been reading it for for 30 and they have every yeah, single yeah, yeah. issue um and so we've got a great great fan base so we started talking with um uh david fincher about doing a heavy metal movie uh god now it's almost four years ago and um we just have not been able to raise the funds to and that to would be a picture. new incarnate it's a it would be a new animated anthology c- and
0: cgi would, it, yep. would yeah CGI.
2: we yeah we we there's this amazing um studio in, in in venice beach called blur animation go to blur blur.com check them out they're the shit um and um, is that who
0: he's doing the goon with?
2: Yeah, the goon. Yeah. Oh, dude, exactly. they they do they, amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That goon trailer is it's fucking awesome, it's isn't awesome. it? Yeah. I think that. I, I hope that goes. I think that. I think that one's going to go. But so do I. Yeah, that would be fun. But
0: yeah, yeah, I mean that same that same company doing a heavy metal flick would be fucking yeah. great.
2: Yeah, we had to. Uh, you know, when we started early, and a lot of it has to do with the uh, you know studios these days. I mean, it's uh, a project like heavy metal which. Is R rated animation. It's an anthology picture, which every studio in the world says anthologies don't work. Um, The concept falls out of every put deal that they have on the entire planet. So if the movie fails, it's going to cost them real money. No, yeah. But Fincher's got that
0: fucking Facebook movie (sighs) cachet
2: now. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, David, are they basing this off of Heavy Metal 2000? Like were you very involved in that?
2: Um f- unfortunately I have to say I can't blame that on anybody but me it was um <laughs> that was uh it was really an unfortunate circumstance in that you know I did this Canadian German co-production deal and the Canadian laws you you lose a bunch of control to get access to their money. Mm-hmm. Um I was, I remember reading a lot
1: about that kind of stuff about what happened That's terrible then. yeah
2: it was and it just it, it spiraled out of control very quickly and it was a weird time for animation too because cg animation you know shows mm-hmm. like reboot and those kinds of things and cg it's in
0: their infancy where if you were at that time you were like this is the greatest thing ever yes, try to they, go watch and watch reboot now it's, I kinda, know, it's, it's, it's like, rough Ooh. yeah yeah and
2: so you know so we and we had a bad it was it just none of the pieces fit the way they should um and you know, a lot, a lot of people tried really hard to make it work, and it, it just just didn't didn't resonate the way it should. But the thing was, it's like the original heavy metal movie was an anthology. Ivan Reitman, I mean, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did Heavy Metal 2000, I said, look, I, Ivan Reitman did the anthology picture so well. Why do I want to copy what he's already done so well? I'm gonna do one single story, and basically every fan on the entire planet said, "Why didn't you do and in that?" And that was where you yeah, got the yeah, yeah. Julie
1: Strain character. Yes, yeah. Julie and Strain
2: was—I uh, was sleeping with her at the time, so, uh, so that's a good I'm place just, to get a character from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and she's awesome. Julie's just—yeah, just I remember best,
1: seeing so. her at the conventions around that time, and she was yeah. dressed up and.
2: She really is six foot one, and "Worth the Climb" is uh, one of her books. Uh, <laughs> and, um, no, and you can
1: attest to that, I'm sure.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, she's a she's, but she's a. These are real sweetheart. but that's cool, but but
0: um, but it seems like you might get another you might get another chance we're hoping, yeah, it's, it's like a so cinematic we're, chance at, at heavy metal, yeah, yeah,
2: so it'll be, and it'll be an anthology picture if it if it goes, so we're just you know Hollywood moves very, very slow, i mean, but uh
0: very cool, man we'll is see. there any anything else you have in the works, or no, yeah, you know, it's like I've got a
2: couple you know the same thing, you know the George Lucas thing, I've got a couple scripts, um a couple of things that I've been doing you know I have had on shelves for years. Um, you know i had a lot of a lot of fun working with simon bisley that was probably some of my favorite stuff you know with melting pot and fistful of blood and some of this stuff we did and it was sort of it's interesting because i always loved you know when peter and i worked together um uh, on the turtle stuff like peter and i would sit and talk about the ideas and i always loved doing the layouts i loved the pacing i love working it page to page and see how the whole thing would go so when i started working with somebody like simon bisley who's just he's just fucking awesome um in every sense of the word um, I said, look, we'll come up with the ideas together, but I want to do the layouts, and then you can do the finishes. So, as an artist, because I'm i not a... Here's a, good, here's a good Simon Bisley story. I remember going over to work on the melting pot. We were behind deadlines, so me and Eric Talbot, and we all went to Simon's studio in England. And Simon's studio is a mess. Think of Pigpen and and, and Charlie Brown times a thousand. There's shit stuck to the walls of his beer. The thing's growing. That's awesome. And, and in the middle is Simon at this table, which is like a <laughs> kitchen table. He's got things nailed into it. Um, there's, uh, this big, huge, beautiful painting. It's got its working. own atmosphere, the apartment and shit like that. Yeah. He's, yeah, you, yeah. you know, smoking. There's cigarette butts everywhere. There's Guinness cans all over the place. And, uh, he, so he, here's Simon. He's smoking. Uh, eating a plate of curry, which is half on this painting, which is stuck to it. He's painting. He's talking about a 350 Hemi something or other that he saw. And he's, and his and I'm sort of watching, you know, I spent weeks and weeks with him over many, many years. And it, the art is just fucking pouring out of this guy. He's like, I really, for the first time, said, I've, I'm watching a real natural talent. He just does it. And he does it by accident most of the time. Um, and so working with guys like that, and I look at my artwork which is a struggle every painting is a war and everything is whatever and I just can't never so it's like I said look I'd much rather sort of do the storyboards and have Simon finish them because you know then I can make make, make myself think I'm better
0: so is that that I, might, <laughs> so that might
2: might that be the move is to get some of these concepts yeah. you've had and have someone else exactly so I've got a couple of things like that that will work where you'll lay it out and then yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so we'll see but that's cool though man And then, you know for right now it's like you know go to heavy metal.com check out heavy metal.com there's you know lots of new and fun stuff going if we ever get some traction on movie you can find out there and you know i'm, I'm sure we'll all
0: hear about it if, if, if it does yeah. I mean it'll be big news and then you're at, you're at the cons all the time and stuff like yeah, that. yeah right? you know it's
2: like um, after having kids i stopped traveling as much um i do san diego pretty much and it's funny because a lot of people you know laugh it's like i mean i literally you know we have four people in the company. I. Pack the booth. I drive down, awesome. no, I yeah, yeah. it <laughs> down. That's awesome. That's actually my, the best part of the show. It's the quietest part of the show. No, absolutely, in. man. But I love it. But uh,
0: So that's cool. So we'll come check you out in San Diego. Brenda, we got a couple it, questions off of Twitter tonight, got right? got a few, yeah. We got, I got a, few. a few. I got um, one real, real quick. If, if uh, Someone was asking, how did um, Usagi Ojimbo, Stan uh comic,
2: and and Turtles first meet up? And how did that become? Stan is like... Probably the coolest guy I've ever met. He's just—he's he's, awesome. He really is. He's—he's yeah. he's just. Um, in one of the first couple shows that Peter uh, Laird and I went to, we got to meet guys like uh, like Stan Sakai and some of these guys. We just uh, became fast friends, and we'd always, you know, when we said, "Let's." At that time, the Turtles comics were selling better than Stan's. And we said, "Well, let's." Would we'll give you free ads. That turtle awesome. book, so it's let's like a
0: bump for Usagi. I mean, yeah, let's just let's throw... do
2: crossover story and introduce turtle fans to Usagi. And even that one, as far as we put him in the TV show and that kind <laughs> I of loved
0: stuff, loved them I, in the cartoon. Usagi still, <laughs> I I still read Usagi to this day because of because and of
2: turtle. I mean, yeah, yeah. So we just we just loved it. It was great. He's That's a, cool. He's bro. still a good friend. Very cool, Brenda, What what do we got? Okay,
0: what is
1: this is from Ryan C Reynolds. Uh, what is your favorite turtles production of any kind that you haven't had anything to do with? I think we kind of. Yep, f-
2: f- turtles, forever. turtles Forever. Seriously, forever. And, it's like, and it's like I was just asked at the end um, when they pitched me the idea. They said, "This is what we're doing." I said, "This is either going to be insanely brilliant, or it's going to just suck." It you
0: was know? insanely brilliant. Like I, it was I,
2: on every level. And it's like I, so we get a little live action cameo. No, you don't actually see Peter and I. But you hear.
0: I knew. I had known you were coming on the show, and I was just looking around on the internet, and um, tr- something the Wikipedia page said "Turtles Forever," and I was like, "I don't know what that is," and I and that's I. Right. I found it on... Ed's, it was awesome. Like, generally the most fun I've had. And the 89 Turtles are retarded. <laughs>
2: they're so retarded.
0: They're, they're just good. fucking just like... Very just, well done. And everyone... Like, Leo, who in the past you were like, Leo was the bravest, most noble fucking warrior of all time. You're like, oh, he's retarded also, but just marginally less retarded than the rest. And I use retarded meaning mentally handicapped, just so I don't offend exactly. people. Exactly. It's not a derogatory Absolutely. Concerns. Not derogatory whatsoever. I have a lot of questions... We're talking about Turtles, guys. ...about
1: the movies, but... They kind of all... Let's keep it what, to one or two. Yeah, I'll just ask <laughs> you, like, what exactly, like, how hands-on were you in the movies? Was there anything in the movies that made you cringe a little? Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> like, for, someone brings up the scene of Rat Splinter doing kung fu in his cage. Like, that was funny. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I love that it. fucking little puppet it's, rat. Well,
0: yeah,
2: it the was, p- see, the, the first movie, um, because the way it started, it actually was, it was not going well. Steve Barron came on board spun the whole thing around, really came up with a wonderful vision. He actually, the first meeting we had with him, he had one of the giant turtle collections, and he said, we're going to do most of issue Turtles Issue 1. We're going to do the Leonardo one-shot, part of 10 and part of 11, and that's our movie. And then he fired the writer that they hired at that time, brought in um, Todd Langdon, who was writing for The Wonder Years, to really whip the script into shape, brought Jim Henson in to visualize the whole thing. And there was some goofy... Things yeah. like the the again the, some of those scenes they look really cheesy in the in the in the movie, but the I think it was um a six and a half million dollar budget at that time. Was it really? How much did that movie some made? Really, yeah, it was still considered relatively very low budget. There's um, still some great things about it. I mean, Elias Coteus as Casey Jones, I still was... think is completely genius. <laughs> it was, and so we were so lucky and so blessed, and it was great with the first movie, and then we because Peter and I had um we had approval of the treatment and. As long as the script conformed to eighty five percent of the treatment, it was automatically mm-hmm. approved in Hollywood terms. but in the second movie, they brought in a new director, and some of the guys that were the, the producing it said, "Well, we've got some reviews from some of these you know we had more positive reviews than we had bad reviews, but some of the reviews said that the turtle they didn't like the fact that the turtles used their weapons so if you look <laughs> at this seriously so if you look at the second movie, you know." You barely see the turtles using the weapons. At all, whether it's like you out of sticking stick in a store. It's a lot of Jackie
0: seat. Chan shit now. That they're of they're using shit. like
2: tables or like goofy. Like you're eh. yeah. So instead of like Steve Barron took it. He said, "I'm going to do a blend between the 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 cartoon series, um, the the black and white." turtles and sort of come up with a, a perfect middle ground like a bugs old bugs bunny cartoon humor for the kids intelligent storytelling for the adults blah 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 if you will and then with the second one they just said we're just going to make a live action cartoon and about the time that they brought vanilla ice in for yeah. the ending it's
1: go ninja go ninja go that was man. another question who and the actually third one wrote we don't <laughs> even talk about no, ninja rap <laughs> and how were you in- <laughs> you
2: was, didn't have
0: Vanilla any, Ice <laughs> wrote it, obviously. He says his name in it like fucking 95 yeah. times. <laughs> that's that's the, what that's I the, thought.
2: That's pretty much the same. So there was, it was... So we were... I mean, Peter and I were... Um, if you read the script for the second movie that we approved and then what was finally made... Um, they very, were different films. It was incredibly <laughs> different. Because so, we put that out literally almost like the next year very quickly. Um, and so we had this huge fight with, uh, Golden Harvest and, and, and New Line and said, you know, we want to go back to, it. so when we did Turtles Take Time, um, the, the third one that came out, you know, a couple of years later, we brought Elias Koteas back and, and as Casey and, you know, so we, we tried to make it. I think if you went, the first one is the best one, the second one's the worst one, the third one's sort of in between. I would agree ones. with that. So, yeah. They're all fun though.
0: Turtles Forever might be my favorite now. It's fun, yeah, that's fun, true. man. <laughs> um, but dude, thank you so much. You, uh, nice. Not only thank you for being here on the show, but but thank you for for birthing uh, what what invented a bunch of uh, a generation of, of geeks Thanks. and and miscreants the world over. You know what I mean? And little kids <laughs> who tried to do karate. <laughs> uh, that that also was was part of that whole turtles craze. I remember at one point I went to a blockbuster video because a dude dressed as Leonardo was gonna be what? there.
2: That's so, cause I do, it's like when I was telling you when we started this, started the show, it was a great way to sort of wrap, is that watching my, my four and a half year old go through the same thing. So he runs around the house kicking his brother, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like cause I remember like, you know, I'd, you're I'd like, these, I'm an awesome dad. <laughs> <laughs> my brother and I would have like sparring matches. Yeah, they yeah, do, yeah. that's what they do. And it's like, I remember like, um, you know, parents would come to see, would do these signings and the kids would come because they're really excited and they want to get the turtle book signed and the parents behind them were pissed about a couple things. One is that a lot of the early turtle toys were crap and so they you know it's like, I spent all night putting that fucking turtle blimp together the turtle sewer play set
0: oh of it. I couldn't get my fucking sewer t- <laughs> tunnels to. you just brought back nightmares of me trying to get my sewer play set to connect and shit I would sit there for hours like just please go in it, to- just
2: stay so, they, so you got these pissed off parent and then they said would you tell him not to kick his sister it's driving us crazy and so now i'm going like oh my god stop kicking your brother and tell him to but stop I'm raffatello stop you know, and he's like,
0: oh, uh, talking to rats that's how <laughs> we summed it up okay. <laughs> yeah, very cool a, man a, so thanks. but no but thank you again for being pleasure. here thank you so thank much you. um thanks, it awesome. and it's a pleasure i hope we get to speak again ladies and gentlemen uh mr kevin eastman give it up yeah. thanks guys thank you sir <laughs> Uh, Brendo, that was, that was, that was a, uh, more fun than a barrel of, of mutant enhanced turtles, wasn't it, sir?
1: Yeah. That's, mo- all you, much
0: is. that's all you got? It was great. It was great. Folks, uh, thank you for joining us here at this modcastle for Bag and Border. Next week, come back. Uh, we got filmmaker Reggie Hudlin. as we said before. That should be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, as Fine. always. You can check us out on smodcast.com, cameltoadproductions.com, com On Twitter, I'm at cameltoad and smodcastle. I'm at brendoman and brendoman.com. And DJ D Rock up there is at, uh, D- at Derek Armijo. There you go. We have a really, really big announcement coming up soon in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure y'all are going to hear all about it. But, uh, other than that, this has been a, uh, fucking tubular night, Brendo. Would you agree? Radical. Radical man, right? Just run through them all real quick. Calabonga, tubular, tubular, we got it. I'm Matt Cohen. I'm Brenda Creasy. It's been bagged and boarded. It's been real. What?
4: <laughs> bagged and bad
3: boarded. In. Whoa.
0: Thanks so much for coming out, everyone. Also, in case uh, anyone wants to come back tomorrow night, Malcolm McDowell is hosting a show with our very own Paul Hip. It's going to be awesome if you guys are in town at 8 o'clock. Come down for a really good show.
3: Find more funny shit like this at Smodcast.com there's so many to choose from there are so many to choose from on the smodcast podcast network on sundays it's me and scott doing the classic smodcast the show that started it all mondays it's me and ralph garman doing hollywood babylon there's so many to choose from tuesdays you get a double shot of goodness man malcolm ingram's blowhard as well as red state of the union q and a's our podcast show about our forthcoming movie there's so many to choose from. On Thursdays, drop the gloves with the puck nuts. The same guys that bring you Tell Them Steve Dave on Fridays. And don't forget on Saturdays, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old with me and Jason Mewes. There's so many to choose from. You could try some shows that aren't so regular, just happen every once in a while, like Highlands, a people history, where me and people that grew up in the town I grew up look back at the town we grew up in marriage at smodcastle where real live people get real live married by real rev kev that'd be me there's so many to choose from Smodimations, that's where me and scott are drawn as cartoons they take little sections of smodcast we've done and animate them man and make me even funnier somehow and if you've ever been to smodcastle then you've met matt cohen and matt cohen has his own show bagged and boarded which is also now at smodcast.com There's so many to choose from. I know you keep telling me, man, but did you know that most of the podcasts at Smodcast.com are recorded live in front of a studio audience at Smodcastle? Our theater out in Los Angeles on Santa Monica Boulevard between Wilcox and Cole. There's so many to choose from. Scott, even at Smodcastle, there are so many to choose from. Every week, you could see Malcolm Ingram do his show, Blow Hard Live. You could see me and Jason Muse doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. You could see Matt Cohen doing Bagged and Bordy. You can come see Tom Green do a show down there. You could see me and Mosier doing the occasional Smodcast 3D. There's so many to choose from. That's right. For one low price, a hundred bucks, you can see every show that happens in Smodcastle for a month. Every show you go, you get, that basically comes down to be like four bucks a show. I mean, come on. You can't get a better deal than that. Go to smodcastle.com slash Smodpass for the Smodpass or just stay right here on smodcast.com and listen to any of the shows that we throw up there free for nothing because we love you. And guess what? There's so many to choose from. That's right, Scott. There are so many to choose from. Smodcast.com. There's so many to choose from.